Three, two, one. Master Chief, you mind telling me what you're doing on that ship? Sir, finishing this fight. Nice. Hello, everybody. It's episode 117 of Sardonicast. I'm Adam from Your Movie Sucks. Hello. I'm Ralph. I don't watch Halo. Or play. What do you mean don't watch Halo? Or play Halo. My favorite TV show. Play Halo. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm Alex from IG. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) No clue. Yeah, I'm Alex from IG and... uh, for, uh, ho- uh, former Halo fan. I'm going to just throw that you out there instantly. You can still be a fan of the former. old games. You can still call yourself a fan. <laughs> okay, yeah. No, we, we'll get into it in more detail when we talk about this episode's special subject. But, uh, man, <laughs> it's not a good time to be a Halo fan. I'll just put it that way then. I mean, the past, I don't know, Decade. 10 Decade. plus 15, how many years <laughs> has it not been a good time to be a Halo fan? This isn't a new thing. Ten, ten years. I don't know why people... Did people get their hopes up? Did people look at this new show and be like, it's finally happening? Were people ex- surprised by this? Like... Um, I guess. I don't know. It's just been... It's been floating around, these concepts, these ideas. I don't know. Are we, are we getting into the show first, or we got some news first? We'll talk about Halo in just a little bit, uh, but we're going to talk about some movie news first. Um, speaking of Halo... PlayStation, which is not Microsoft, uh, (laughs) they've announced that uh, they are pulling access to purchased Studio Canal movies next month. So if you bought a film from Studio Canal on the PlayStation, you know, their on-demand or, or, uh, you know, content that you can download. media store type thing. Yeah, Yeah. They're just like, Hey, you've paid for it, but uh, it doesn't exist anymore because you don't actually own it. You just had a license to rent it the entire time. And uh, no refunds, sorry, is basically the... uh, But just for one studio. Yeah, because of... Yeah, it's it's a contract expired or something, and they're stupid about how they set that up. Oh, it's just like a contract thing. Yeah, well... Oh, well... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You lost your money. This is the the (laughs) digital library thing, man. It's always... I think about that like... Because I buy a lot of my movies on iTunes. It's just like, what if in one, one day they do a similar thing? Like in a few decades' time or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's not like impossible. Yeah. I feel like it happens a lot. I'm a hacker man. And so I spend a lot of time uh, figuring out how to remove DRM from like purchase things on iTunes. So I basically, I buy a movie on iTunes and then I use like a couple different programs to just save it as an MP4 that I can move onto a hard drive, and then I don't feel guilt about it, and I can just use it however uh, I want. Okay. And then I can also like you know use them in uh, videos and stuff. It's like easier, to, you know, to remove the DRM. I should specify that uh, the Variety article article I'm reading uh, is saying that it it is customers in Germany and Austria. So I don't know if this is an international thing where they're removing that content. Either way, even if it's you know restricted by region that's a pretty shitty thing to to do it's a pretty shitty reality and i love physical media you know you 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 can't take away that Mm -hmm. although maybe there's some content that you need to access remotely remember blu-ray live bd live remember that shit like nobody remembers oh i'm such a boomer live well did i have to like connect to network nah (laughs) okay so yeah when blu-rays first came out Part of the re- part of the way they were advertising it is like it's like DVD, but it like connects to the internet, yo. So 
your Blu-ray player, PS3, or just regular Blu-ray player, would either have Ethernet or Wi-Fi. They would use that to update the player, but they would also use that for something called BD Live. And so they'd be like, oh, you just you buy the disc, and then you'll be able to watch a live interview with Christopher Nolan about The Dark Knight. And it was like, I, I didn't do that, so I don't know like if people pressed <laughs> buttons on what the remote to idea. ask questions or like, I don't know how the fuck that worked. Yeah. But there's stuff Stop like the that. Movie. There's also certain Blu-rays where... Um, they, they had updated trailers, which is like stupid. I hated it so much because if I have an old Blu-ray, I want to pop in the old Blu-ray and watch some old trailers. I want to know what was being advertised at the time. I want to know what they put on the disc, but there's some Blu-rays like around 2009 where they were like, no, we'll just, we'll have it download new trailers from the internet and we'll, we'll play, we'll advertise new movies in front of it, no matter when you put the Blu-ray disc in. And I'm glad that that didn't, you know, stay a thing. I'm glad that they'd stopped Catch doing on, that. Yeah. But there's like a small window of time where they did that. And I was like absolutely furious because it was so stupid. Mm. I feel like I remember <sighs> that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sucks. Con- being a consumer sucks. <laughs> being an artist sucks too. It's just licenses. How many times? How many times have we complained about licenses uh, on the show and just like... The- be at different countries or just release mm. all over the world and like the, the the selection of movies on netflix here is completely different from that in u.s than i'm yeah. sure that in canada and it's just like how do you even keep track of all this it's so frustrating and annoying it, the internet like it, it it just opened the floodgates in a way that just doesn't make sense for this old way of like yeah. just distribution it's just incompatible mm-hmm. with previous models yeah because because yeah if like if you find out people in Australia are watching something that you don't have access to for another couple months, you're probably just going to download it for free, even though you're willing to pay for it. There's a lot of people <laughs> that are just like, okay, well, I would like to watch this thing that other people are watching. Yeah. Well, like with the whole streaming thing, you've got to go like, I don't know what your guys' process is, so if you don't have it, a physical copy or whatever, but I'll always search up, okay, like 12 Monkeys, for example, where's that streaming then? And then, like, Google it, go to, like, the websites that compile it. Oh, it's randomly on BBC iPlayer in nice. the UK. All right. Okay, we'll just mm. watch it on there. But it's only mm. there for a year, though. So yeah. after the year, then I guess you've got to source it elsewhere. Yeah, you're on a yeah. constant hunt. <laughs> Goes somewhere else. Playing whack-a-mole. Yeah. But that was, like, the, the whole appeal of the digital library to me, especially was when, like, a, a 4K release would come out, you'd get it for free. You know, if they did like the Dark Knight trilogy or something, the 4K comes out, it's just automatically mm-hmm. there. You don't have to pay extra. That's like really appealing to me. But then the offside is just, uh, you can just pluck it away at any point. Or maybe they'll charge for the next thing, 8K or whatever. It's just a nightmare. I would think that there might be a ca- like, because no matter what things say in their terms of of service agreements, you could always make a case that something was incorrectly advertised anyway so like so if something on the the uh, storefront page was described in a certain way you could still make a legal case to sue if it's misleading even if it says something more specific in uh the terms of service agreements that's i believe that's the case anyway uh i could be wrong but that's i'm pretty sure that's how it works and so if i were a lawyer looking at this i would be really hung up on the difference between rent and buy or rent and own, because those are two different price points. And I have to assume, I'm pretty sure I looked through the PlayStation 
like video store before and rent would be like rent it for 24 hours and then own or buy would be like oh keep it in your library and it's like okay well if you select the buy option and it's just an extended rental then you should maybe like reflect that in in its description you should say this is an extended rental if you're not really buying it right so i don't know You're, you're not buying it you're buying a license to use it and they can revoke it at any point in time i think that that's misleading but you know, like, are people going to file a class action lawsuit where everybody gets a dollar or some shit? Like, right. It's not <laughs> enough money to be, yeah. like, upset about. Like, would you lose out on, like, a couple bucks? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not worth suing. Yeah. The lawyers win and everybody else, you know. So, yeah. Correct me if the, if I misinterpreted how that works in the comments section, but. I don't know. It just sucks. Yeah. Don't fucking guess. Don't be a, don't be a guesser. Don't correct me unless you're an expert, okay? <laughs> sucks. Sucks. Unless you're an actual copyright lawyer. It's not even copyright, is it? It's, that would be a... Yeah, what is it? Digital license, right? <laughs> no, no. It would be the. It would be like a, like a business practices lawsuit, not necessarily a copyright, like, like a misleading... I don't remember the terminology, but I'm not going to pretend. Yeah, anyway. yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so this, this is like a... I, I guess just kind of a small example of something that has been happening um itunes has pulled you know certain movies from certain regions as well Mm. even on streaming services where you don't like pay to download a certain title you know there's been censorship where they've removed episodes of tv shows or cut out parts true have have edited things in post i like physical Mm. media and i like media preservation i like art preservation yeah we're in a weird space Especially with, like, this came into my mind um, with, like, these kind of 360, Xbox 360 era games that mm-hmm. have, like, online components just started shutting down. Yeah. Like, a few years ago. Like, yeah, we're not going to run the servers anymore. Well, if you have a Steam Deck and you're uh, emulating, which I would never I would never suggest to do, but I'm saying it as a fact, if you have emulation software, then that might be the only way to... Uh, actually uh experience uh, previous games except the online components obviously mm-hmm. in some ways yeah unless you have a physical copy of it yeah yeah pt bros but which you know there's some th- some games were only online yeah some games were only digital yeah but, but that's the thing though like those games with online components the physical like disc when you put it in now for these like server <laughs> disconnected games like they're just defunct products they're just nothing yeah, it's just yeah, like a exactly. piece of metal in a box there's there's another mm-hmm. piece of movie news that uh, we've already kind of segued into um ubisoft or ubisoft i don't i really don't know how i'm supposed to pronounce it i always say ubisoft myself but i say ubisoft they're french right i say ubisoft because they're gross agreed uh they put out an announcement mm. That they are shutting down multiplayer and online services for 15 games in September 2022. Okay, so this is on their official website. Decommissioning of online services September 2022. Closing the online services for some older games allows us to focus our resources on delivering great experiences for players who are playing newer or more popular titles. (laughs) To help us achieve this, a number of older titles will be added to our list of decommissioned online services on September 1st, 2022. Below, you'll find a detailed breakdown for the effects of this new round of decommissions per platform. So some of them 
just say like you will be unable to play multiplayer uh things like that which seems pretty uh pretty standard uh yeah some of them are are much worse and they say so assassin's Th- uh, creed 3 2012 yeah, release on PC, pc they say additionally wow. the installation and access to downloadable content will be unavailable it's like what excuse me oh, oh they won't really? even host that it's not even a network thing yeah what if you already paid for it and you want to download it again into your library like what if you have a new computer and you wiped your old one what if i just bought these games like Kind of like how I just bought a bunch of Assassin's Creed games. <laughs> yeah, you got to beat them before That's September, Ralph. Games, I don't feel like they're that old. Assassin's Creed. Well, this one says 2012 release. Yeah, Assassin's Creed 2, Assassin's Creed 3, Far Cry 3. You know, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. The fuck? Yeah, so I got to play multiplayer soon. So, yeah, not being able to access DLC, not being able to get like the full experience of the game, supposedly. Um, depending on what kind of uh, DLC. Yeah. Well, maybe no one plays it. That's always the thing with these, like, any game that's a couple years old, you can't find any people to play it with. <laughs> so maybe that's why they're shutting it down. I, I, who fucking knows? Ghost Recon Future Soldier says, to play the solo campaign, you'll have to set your console into offline mode. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, Rayman Legends, you will be unable to link Ubisoft accounts in-game or use online features, so no more online co-op. It's uh, oh, mm. a great game as well, that one. Yeah. Uh, well, just a lot of these games, I remember. I don't know if they do it as much anymore. They were like single-player games, but they had all this online shit. Like, Oh, yeah. It's just a bunch of DRM bullshit. Like, you needed to be online to play a single-player game. Yeah. So, like, you can't even access a game that technically doesn't even require, like, online or yeah. multiplayer. You could play the single player. If you EA's play. done that a bunch. Yeah, I'm sure they have. Yeah. It was, like, the new uh-huh. Sims game or something. It was, like, Sim City. Like, you couldn't play single player unless you were connected to the internet. It's like, okay, fuck you. Yeah. Like, Jesus. <laughs> In their quest to uh, supposedly stop piracy, they are creating... They're ensuring that pirates are offering a better product for free. They're making the paid version worse to play. <laughs> yeah. That's just how this shit works. So it's just like multiplayer in games, like in that way, I feel it's kind of new. And we're seeing like the, you know, like after 10 years, like what do you do with like the servers? Like when no one's yeah. playing the game anymore, they just like Oops. delete them. Yeah. Bye bye. And now, like, I feel like game companies, they, they try a little more like to elongate the, the multiplayer component. So like GTA 5 online or, rainbow six like those games have been going for a long time like the the online component's still very strong for those like i don't think those will go away anytime soon they could eventually but like red dead i don't know what's going on with that that'll probably shut down like at the same fucking rate at this yeah. point because no one plays the that problem shit. is like if if they stop doing it fans of the game will you know, try to keep things go like you. You can have people doing that shit for free, but then they get cease and desist letters. You know, mm-hmm. so th- there's yeah. there's people that would just be willing to to keep these things running yeah. and maintain the servers, and you know, maybe even crowdfund the expenses for it uh, to keep it running. There's people willing to do that if the game has a strong enough fan base, but you know, you you can only imagine just based on the rest of history that they get cease and desist letters for doing that sort of thing maybe we want to sell our newer games stop playing the older ones 
Maybe. Stop yeah. it. But then what about when when the current new ones become old? Because th- those games you listed are kind of before the whole industry shift into just everything being a live service. Yeah. You know, we're like... Yeah, it's going to get worse. Seasons and updates and... Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. how how do you archive a game like Destiny or something? You don't. Where, like, the, mm-hmm. the, you can't. It's impossible. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. It's, uh... You'll never experience, like, the glory days of, like, an online game. Mm-hmm. You know? I feel it's different now. It's yeah. like, the the Halo, uh, original Halo on PC was, like, a lot of fun. I wonder if I could still access that. I just miss, there's one thing that I miss so much about multiplayer online games, is that when Halo, uh, the first actual PC release of Halo and, like, StarCraft on PC, I remember being able to select which game you wanted to go in. Someone would, like, make a title and description of, like, oh, I made this type of game. There's, like, six people in it or something, and then you can just join it. Yeah, like, server list. Now, everything is, like, voted on, and the categories are so vague where it's, like, if I want to play a specific game type with people and it's not a custom game with just friends I know and I just want to go online and play a specific game type, you can't really. You can join, like, a lobby that might have that game type in it and then if people vote for it on, like, a random map, then, you you know, then maybe you can play it. And then people just vote for the same shit every time, you know? Mm-hmm. It's so annoying. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem with voting. I miss being able to just look at the list of, of different games that are happening and just picking one and going in. It was so nice. It's very frustrating. But as you said earlier, we're just boomers, man. It's it's not it's not Fortnite. But that's how it works now. That's multiplayer games now. They just deliver what you need, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, fucking Sony being stupid, and then Ubisoft being stupid, and everyone's stupid. Now we can talk about Microsoft being stupid. Hello, I mean Halo. It's time to talk about Halo. <laughs> Video games. <laughs> Halo. Halo. So you guys talk. I didn't watch any of this shit, so you guys just talk about it. And I listen. suggested Ralph shouldn't watch it also. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. People who hate me could be like, oh, good. Let, let them talk. Yeah, they you're not even like really familiar with the games. Which- no, because it's, again, it's past my time. Like, by the time I was the age for Halo, it was irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys are saying, it was got old, like, ten years ago, whatever. Like, like the, I think the first one... I have played one. I played Halo Reach. That was the first one I played. I'm like, yeah. this is fine. And I never played another one. Play Halo Combat Evolved. Okay, yeah. I'm sure they're all good, but they're not really in my time. Halo Reach, yeah, Halo Reach is fine. It's never gonna... That was the start of the decline, arguably. It's not the same experience as Halo 1. No. Play that co-op... Play the campaign co-op with somebody. Sure. I'll play them one day, maybe, out of, like, nostalgia. That was it, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, tell me about Halo. Um, tell me. Well, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a um, video game called Halo. Very cinematic and influential. It changed how first-person shooters were made. And uh, over time, the games started getting progressively worse. Uh the original uh, <laughs> company that was making the games decided to go on and do other things like make Destiny. Yeah, that's right. They made Destiny. Bun- Bungie? Uh, Microsoft created another company to take over called 343 Industries. Mm-hmm. Um, and they... Named after the villain. <laughs> just been, yeah, kind of goofing things up repeatedly and making a bunch of crap decisions. Something I know about Halo um, is just the, the lore 
the lore of Halo is like very extensive, and I heard they were going to make a film about Halo as well. Neil Blomkamp was like attached to make it. Yeah, Alex Garland wrote a script. And uh, then, uh, Peter Jackson was going to produce it, and then yeah. Peter Jackson was attached. Yeah. That, that kind of fell through, Completely. and Peter Jackson ended up producing District Nine. Yeah, it was supposed to be Neil Blomkamp um, for Neil Blomkamp as Halo like shit. to kind of like make it up to him. Yeah, like he, it's it's almost like he felt bad for Neil Blomkamp exactly. and gave him money to make District Nine, which is a great movie. But I like that story. I think that's a cool story. Um, but yeah, that Halo movie just never really came through. Uh, I don't know what happened mm-hmm. with it. Yeah, and yeah. Instead, we get the Halo TV show. Nice, <laughs> which is just so bizarre it's like why now why now because it's straight to streaming like, uh, ralph kind of no, i don't know yeah the streaming wars and they had they paramount needed something some ip that is recognizable to, to be a flagship yeah that's exactly mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. <laughs> they spent a yeah. billion dollars on south park <laughs> oh dude but ralph kind of alluded already like to people who aren't already halo fans like it's it's kind of an old out of date license now it, it doesn't have the the same gravitas it once did it was huge like the early 2000s like it was such an important video game it was so also it like it tied into content creation and like early youtube stuff it was mm-hmm. such and red versus blue and yeah, everything it was like such blue. a such mm-hmm. a like powerful force and it's like mysterious and it had that soundtrack and everyone everyone knows the design of master chief mm-hmm. everyone knows you fast master forward chief. 20 years later and you get this tv show this we finally got <laughs> this it. fucking mess of a tv show which is like the, the most famous thing about it is that like master cheeks was born from it because he gets naked so much do you do you i don't know if i told you this <laughs> But, um, Mm -hmm. so one of the most (laughs) unintentionally gay movies ever is, uh, Death Race 2, directed by Mm -hmm. Roel René, if I pronounced it correctly. And he's barely done anything. He does, like, a bunch of straight-to-video shit. And, like, essentially, he created a film that, um, was appealing to, like, yeah, cars and girls and, you know, all that shit. But then, like, you, you break down the movie and it's like, okay, wait, there's a... There's a shower scene. Luke Goss is completely naked. The girl is just standing there completely clothed next to him. And like all these <laughs> shots of his glistening body. And it's like, so it, it's like, I hope this guy's out of the closet. Because if not, that's sad. Like, it's, it's obvious. It's obvious. <laughs> you look through the credits of the Halo show. The two episodes, the only two episodes that have like full naked butt shots in them of dudes. Directed by Roll Renee. He did it again. Yeah. He he did it again. It's literally the only two episodes what? out of out of the series that have like this weird homoeroticism to it. Like I hope he's out of the closet. That's funny. I really do. <laughs> it's it's weird. Yeah, they got a a strange pool of talent for the show. Yeah, like Jonathan Liebsman directed a couple of episodes. He did Battle Los Angeles and uh, Teenage oh. Mutant Ninja Turtles. Wrath of the Titans, right? I think. So I'm curious what you actually know about Halo. Because it's kind of it's kind of interesting to me. Like you're a total outsider to it. You only just played a little totally. bit of Halo Reach, which in the, lore is like Master a prequel. Mm-hmm. Is that like all like, you know? Do you know anything about like the core conflict or even what like the name is alluding to? No, I don't know anything about the lore. I know it's like some kind of Master Chief, right? And there's like a bunch of them. They're like a like they're like an army, and oh, they yeah, fight the aliens. Yeah, yeah, the Spartans, right. And they fight, like, aliens. But yeah, Reach was, like, a prequel. So I didn't yeah, even yeah. get, like, any of the story or whatever. It was just, like, a... 
Yeah, it was more like a swan song fan send-off because it was like Bungie's mm-hmm. last Halo game. They went backwards instead of taking yeah. forwards. And I play the single player. From what I hear, like the multiplayer is more like what people love about those games. Kind of like the Call of Duty like crowd. Like they like the multiplayer shooting as well. Or even, you know, I'm not saying the universe isn't good, but like, yeah. People like Halo 2 and 3. Yeah, everyone played like the multiplayer, I think. Yeah, yeah, because Halo yeah. 2, well, Halo 1, like, revolutionized, like, FPSs on console. Halo 2 came out, revolutionized, uh, like, multiplayer lobbies and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, a COD lobbies mm-hmm. and stuff. That's all thanks to Halo's, like, early Xbox Live kind of networking prowess. Yeah. And then Halo 3 revolutionized, like, um, content creation and content sharing. You had all these, like, map builders and these, like, built-in features yeah. to, like, share with each other and everything. And this whole, like... Yeah, community aspect that was like a real focus. That I did remember from, like, my friends played it, and I played, like, briefly with them. So I do remember that, like, the the map, um, or, like, a game creation, like, custom rules, which Call of Duty did also. Yeah, 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 it was huge. It was way yeah. ahead of its curve, way ahead of the time. Um, but, yeah, just after that point, it gradually just started decaying, especially when Bungie jumped ship and... uh Three four three industries took over, and I, yeah, I said it a second ago, but the uh, I don't know why they named the company on the like based on the villain, That's one of the main weird. villains of the original trilogy. He's like a <laughs> That's robot. Strange. Three four three guilty spark. He's like a yeah. villainous thing on a Halo ring. Um, <laughs> so it kind of Very odd. Like, set the tone for the whole their whole approach, I think. Um, but they've been like. <laughs> They've made three games. They've had the, the, the Halo license for the same amount of time that Bungie did. Well, actually longer. Um, they've released three games of their own. And each one of them has been like more and more of a disaster each time. Mm. Like just, they, they just have no idea what to do with it. And it's just become this weird like zombie at this point. It just ha- has no identity anymore, and the, the show is kind of similar. Like, if you wanted to make a, a, a like a Halo TV show, a Halo movie, it needed to be in the kind of late two thousands. Like, it just it's not yeah. prescient anymore in the same way. And if you were going to do it, you'd at least need to aim it at the the fans of Halo or something. Like, at least try because the <laughs> the TV show doesn't even. I don't know who it's for aside from people who only like kind of vaguely know what halo is uh-huh or like that warcraft movie yeah but the, at least with that movie warcraft fans actually liked it mm-hmm. and there was the passion there too like like duncan jones was a was a warcraft fan and he you yeah know, he was passionate about making that film and making more of them perhaps and i just yeah. feel like that isn't here like i def i definitely didn't like warcraft but... i feel like if the, the time to do it would have been would have been like peter jackson and, and neil blomkamp like that would have been the time to do it if they were going to do it even if yeah. it wasn't great. And um, some of the, like, Neil Blomkamp designs are actually floating out there for, like, some of the creatures and stuff, and they look really wacky and kind of interesting. But mm. it's just something about this yeah. franchise, man. It's 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 trapped in, like, the mid-2000s. And there's just, like, a core of people like me and Adam who, like, played it when we were young, so it's, like, part of our early gaming memories. But it just hasn't... It hasn't been yeah. able to maintain it, and they've tried. They've tried all sorts of like transmedia stuff before. Like, um, there was this really bad. Um, was it straight to? It, it kind of was packaged in with Halo Five. There was this like 
show or something. This all this like kind of mini movie. It's called Halo Nightfall. I feel like, I feel like I've seen that. Yeah, and it was like super low budget, really Sorry. bad acting, <laughs> and it just it just makes the franchise look embarrassing. Yeah, like I, like I can imagine for someone like you seeing this stuff. It, it must make it look so lame and you must wonder like it did what is it about <laughs> this property that people even that like that was like a fan film mm-hmm. <laughs> i feel like i remember that it's like a mm-hmm. fan film yeah, yeah and i think uh, when halo 4 came out there was this like machinima the, the not like an actual machine the machinima youtube channel uploaded this this mini series called ford unto dawn which was plagued by the same issues it was like it looked like a fan film like really bad CG, mm. like everything's yeah. like hidden because it's just so like cheap. The only the only like good Halo films have been those shorts from Neil Blomkamp. Yeah, so they that th- those existing is even more frustrating because you've already got a bit of a blueprint for like yeah. some kind of idea. Even like some of the the Bungie era ads for Halo. Like, oh hell yeah! There was like a mm-hmm. really famous like Deliver Hope for Halo Reach was like a cool tonal thing. It's yeah. like a real emphasis on like the heaviness the. The music. Yeah. Um, the music's always such an important part of the Halo series. No, that's... Yeah, like, if you if you had to boil Halo down into two things, it's the music and Master Chief in his <laughs> armor, specifically. Uh-huh. And those two things the Halo TV show doesn't do. <laughs> it abandons both things. I think I know. I think I know the music. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's iconic. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows the Halo theme. <laughs> yeah. So just yeah. starting with that. That's like, crazy. I haven't even played them really, and I, and I know that. I don't know how I know that, but I do. I, oh. <laughs> yeah, the monks. Uh huh. I remember the ad campaign for uh, Halo Three. Believe with those like miniatures. Yeah. And the uh, I think it was a Chopin song. Chopin. Mm-hmm. If not, maybe it was Debussy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it was Chopin. <laughs> Um, My favorite yeah. classical composer. It was, uh, <laughs> they were weirdly reserved. Like the, there was that like veteran, like picking up like a, a brute's weapon or whatever, and oh, talking so about good. it. I loved that ad campaign. Yeah, what a like stylish, tasteful advertising campaign. They had yeah, Halo two and three had like one of the most like incredible ad campaigns for like television spots and all that like. Each one of them was so, like, emotional and, like, just, like, great short films as ads, basically. Like, they really knew yeah. what they were doing. Um, what happened? <laughs> and, yeah, and so you have this this library of music that uh, is associated with the game, and they don't use it. They're, like, tiny little moments in the Halo show. Yeah, where little, little sprinkles. You can hear, like, kind of the Halo theme, and it's like, oh, okay, well, this doesn't even feel appropriate at this moment. But, like, <laughs> yeah. it, it never it never has the feel of the original games. It never has the feel of the universe. It's just like, oh, there are some character designs of some of the aliens that are the same. And that's about it. They They decide to tell, like, a really bizarre story yeah like i was like really into like halo lore when i was like a teenager like going as far as like reading the books and stuff and 
that was like the only enjoyment I got from the show was like, oh, how are they going to fuck up this kind of cool idea from one of the books I remember from like a decade ago? <laughs> how are they going to fuck it up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they definitely did. It's almost yeah. more frustrating. Like, th there is like a heart to. That's the thing about Halo. In the games, the stories, like, they're not like anything crazy special. Um, it's more like the package and how it comes together and the, the context of the time of when they came out. Cause they're, they're very like, um, it's very familiar kind of stuff. Like it's obviously heavily inspired by aliens with the hoorah soldiers and like the pelicans look so similar to like the, the flying vehicles and aliens and the flood are kind of like, you know, the alien <laughs> from aliens. There's a, there's so much like, uh, eighties inspiration in there. Mm -hmm. But they managed to they managed to bring it together in a way that made something really unique. And with the expanded law stuff, there was a way they could have approached this and made it be like a satisfying, interesting story. But just the basic, basic kind of level, they fuck up. Like the, the thing about Mercer Chief is that he's supposed to be a man, a man of few words. Yeah, that's his whole thing. He's supposed to be like a a, a pale guy who's trapped in this suit. He hides in the suit, basically, and he doesn't talk, and he just gets the job done. That's all he does, and he just a, a few quips here and there. That's kind of his character. But 343 have just been obsessed with, like, quote-unquote, humanizing him. Who is the man behind the helmet? <laughs> yeah, I really like, want to know who that guy is. <laughs> yeah, is Master Chief the main character of the show? Yes. Yeah, which is weird. Oh, oh. Yeah. What's his butt look like? I, didn't, I don't feel that's a good idea. It's yeah, not. you're right. It's not a good idea. But even then, after watching something like The Mandalorian, which has a main character who's always in armor, only takes it off like once, it is possible. You can do it. You just got to surround the main character with something, you know, something interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you need like a rookie character, like a tertiary character who yeah. like Master Chief is there, but he's like a supporting role or like the kind of the leader or something, not the focus. Because, yeah, it's just Master Chief is just like, a look and you know, there's nothing to them. They had one episode where yeah. they focused on uh, some girl that I don't remember her name. Quan. And it's the worst, <laughs> it's the worst rated episode on IMDb and people were very, very mad. <laughs> I thought that it was like, I don't know, as bad as the rest of the show pretty much. But I understand like, you know, the nerds who are like, well, I want, I want Master Chief. And then they spend an entire mm -hmm. episode on, what is her name? Quan? <laughs> Quan Ha. I had to write it down before oh. we started because I couldn't yeah, remember. Yeah, they spent an entire episode on her. I could, yeah, I, I can visualize the nerd rage happening there. Yeah, because she, she gets like an entire kind of B plot that spans the entire season that's kind of just mostly irrelevant to everything. Like yeah. it's really just like nothing. It's like, feel like the, the only thing that I could like not forgive, but at least understand more was that like the, the budget limitations perhaps for this first season was so restrictive that they just needed to fill it with some just dumb shit like that. And like, just, just to get the show out there, just to prove like, look, we're, we're making this show. We'll, which, and we just need to prove that people watch it so we can get an, another season and we can get more money. And cause it's like, it's an expensive concept. It's a mm -hmm. huge, like space opera, all these locations, these CG creatures and monsters, like constantly on screen. But then it cuts yeah. to like Quan Ha for half of every episode. Mm -hmm. Like just just pottering about in like the desert, <laughs> like a dune buggy. Yeah, she's not doing anything. She's like, I got handcuffed to a motorbike. 
<laughs> or something like i don't remember and it's like the yeah it's like the most obvious like rebel type like she yeah. sees her dad get like killed and so he's like a rebel and it like sends her on this path but it, it's like why what is it? what why are you doing this in the halo show because simultaneously the main plot thread is them like it starts before they actually know what a halo ring is and mm-hmm. it's like them going on that journey to try and find it so there are like different communities or something there's like different rebel factions and then yeah like near the beginning they get attacked by the covenant and they're like they think it's unsc but it's covenant and they're like so the show is saying that they didn't know the covenant exists they thought it was like a myth or something is like the impression i got that they didn't they thought covenant was just a story until they get attacked by it? Yeah, they hadn't really interacted with them properly quite it's yet. so weird. Yeah, because from, from, from what I remember, and it was kind of a cool, like, law thing, is that, like, the Spartan program was started by this kind of crazy scientist, Dr. Halsey, who commits all these, like, war crimes and all these kind of illegal activities to get this Spartan program done to fight all these, like, militias and whatnot that are dotted around the galaxy. Um, and the only reason she gets away with it is because... The, the Covenant aliens just happen to attack like shortly after and they need them to actually win or stand a chance of winning. So there's this constant tension with this science, scientific, like insane character who's like kind of a stand-in for Master Chief's mother and there's kind of mm-hmm. like some tension and yeah. character going on there. And th- they, they try to do it in the show, um, <laughs> but the way they approach it is very, oh very God. all over the place. I'm looking at my notes and remembering that... Uh the Covenant have, like, a pet who is, like, a mole. <laughs> like, she's, like, she's trying to she's trying it's to like get Master human... Chief to fuck her so that he <laughs> she can trick him when she's on the Covenant side, but she's, he, like... He a, does. He yeah. fucks her. He commits a war crime and f- fucks a prisoner of war. <laughs> the, the, the main character. Yeah, while his mom watches. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what kind of show it, is this? It's weird. <laughs> it's so weird. But they're, they're, yeah, they're, like, trying to inject these, like, weird, like, romantic <laughs> Romeo and Juliet or, like, like, ooh, I'm tempted by the enemy uh, person, woman, like... I don't know. It's a weird angle to have in the show. Yeah. Because it's over the course of like one episode. It's, too. it's so bizarre that they would decide to do that. It's, it's <laughs> it doesn't feel like Halo, you know? It's, it's they more weirdly kind of model the story on something like Mass Effect, where the, mm. the kind of uh, initial incident that propels the story is like the main character touching some kind of relic, some alien relic, which then embodies them with some like knowledge or something and then sends them on a quest, which was like never really part of Halo. Um, mm-hmm. And that's like how this, this, this enemy character also has some, some link with a, a relic and it's just like the MacGuffin relic yeah. chasing thing and they need two relics together so then they can find where the halo ring is which is also like a the beacon yeah yeah and man <laughs> every every now and again there's an like an action episode like fully action like yeah. more like trying to channel i guess like like a multiplayer game <laughs> or, <laughs> or something with a like a, a grunt like jumps on a warthog and it's all this like cg nightmare the production's really strange yeah because like every, everything looks kind of like a it's like really obviously sound stagey and it's all like overly lit and disgusting looking but it's also obviously spent a lot of money on it mm-hmm. like 
It doesn't look good, though. Yeah. It sits in such a strange mm. place. And they just keep returning back to, like, the same set. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, okay. <laughs> you go, I guess you're just going to get you some use out of this one. The, there are these characters in the original trilogy, the Prophets, which th- they're always, like, one of yeah. my favorite aspects. I think they're really fun, like these verbose villains that are always like monologuing over comms. They're these like religious leaders that are just like have their whole, the whole aliens convinced of their plan or whatever in this great journey. And they, they kind of look, they look okay in the show, but then they change them to only speak the alien language. So mm-hmm. you don't get the cool, like <laughs> the cool, like monologues from them in the same way. It's all just like, and it's like, Oh my God, this is fucking yeah, just gibberish. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, they, they didn't, they didn't create like a thorough language. This isn't like Klingon or anything. They're just speaking random <laughs> sounds. <laughs> but that was like an intentional choice in Halo 2 when the story kind of gets way more complicated they make all the aliens like speak English just just for the sake of just delivering the story yeah. in a more simplistic just way every science fiction property mass effect you just imagine you have a translator or whatever just yeah like yeah yeah I don't know <laughs> so it's just so they change things here what what is, she's just evil and just working with them like but like how did that how did that get set up they like oh yeah they explained that she was like she there was like a flashback and she got like her like friend as a kid died or something and then she was like i hate humans <laughs> they basically yeah they yeah. like saved so her as weird. a child and even though like it, that's another one of the like core law things is that the covenant are supposed to despise humanity because they know at the top that we will keep this one as a pet. Yeah, or the humans are the only thing that can interact with, like, the Halo technology because it was built by, like, ancient humanity or whatever. So there's some genetic link there, and they can't figure out how to use it without humans being involved. Yeah, uh, but they know that if if they explain that to their religious base, it will undo all of their, like, brainwashing. Um, so they've got to, like convinced that the the uh the demons or the i can't remember what phrase they specifically call humanity but mm-hmm. it's like this it's like this commentary on you know just like didactic religion um which is really cool and at the base of the story and it's just it's so fumble when when you have like a human character on the other side which i assume is partially for budgetary reasons again because if you had like a an elite kind of lead like a villain or something it's just prop the budget up even more it's an expensive thing to have aliens everywhere so the the pet mole lady the evil one that master chief uh, master cheeks uh had sex with um (laughs) so she she sends an order for like killing people on the ship and then people are like who did that and then they play the recording and then just from the voice alone halsey (laughs) is like that's it. And she ties thing to things together immediately without any sort of investigation. She's like, you did it. She's like, oh. Mm-hmm. And th- like that was the, like there was no, I don't know, no, no interrogation yeah, or anything. It just moves just so like, you quick. Did it. <laughs> like nothing's developed or given like time to like sit and kind of increase some tension or whatever. Cause like, yeah. Like how many times have you heard of her voice too? Like what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of weird. The whole thing's kind of weird. It's just so... <laughs> I was able to enjoy this show kind of ironically. It was kind of like a fun, dumb thing. Like, my expectations were not yeah. high. Uh, essentially, what they did is they created, like, a really lame 
show that you would expect to see on the sci-fi channel like 15 years ago or something and and you know yeah. a bit better effects than that obviously um uh, but in terms of like writing and like acting and stakes um it, and just yeah the the repetitive nature of like the scenes and how slowly things develop like it's mm. just this is a standard nonsense sci-fi television show of which there are lots of and many successful ones that a lot of people watch and that we're not aware of and they exist but they do successfully and this is just kind of one of those um i was enjoying yeah. it in a way where like y- you know there's there's some things in the show where it just seems like a punchline you can you can play it as a drinking game every time they take off their helmet when, when there's no reason to like the spartans they have numbers on their chest <laughs> right mm-hmm. like why are they taking off their helmet every time they walk into a like a a conversation with someone like take off the helmet like you got speakers like literally in fight scenes or like at points where they're in danger where it's like okay i'm just exposing my weak point sort of thing like hello it's for the audience to see who's talking but i mean like (laughs) would people be, be that confused especially fans of the show like even even if you're not a fan of the show just you know explain you know 117 on on the chest plate that's master chief the other number like not only are the numbers different their armor designs are completely different like they're different colors like everyone's very distinct you can just show them putting on the helmet earlier you can like they have different enough voices too like that you'd be able to tell them apart but they just keep taking off their helmets and it's so funny like every single time it happens it's it's hilarious to me and what i realized dumber than power ranges what i realized eventually (laughs) is that that's probably why they changed uh, the lore of Cortana being in his helmet to being in his head is so that she can keep yapping to him while his helmet's off. Yeah. That's probably exactly why they... So basically, uh, Ralph, they in the Halo games, Cortana's a chip that got put in his helmet uh, and he has to like protect her and she just chills in his uh, helmet uh, as an AI. Um, mm. But in the show... They did this weird thing where uh, they injected her into his brain stem. <laughs> like, they, it was a surgical operation oh. to, like, put her in his head for no reason. And it was kind of one of those, like, why are they doing this? And then later I realized, oh, it's so <laughs> yeah. he can keep his helmet off the entire show and she can keep yapping at him. <laughs> like, that's exactly why they did that. <laughs> it was so weird. Oh, oh okay. Cortana, yeah. like, the... Like the voice thing on the like, AI, yeah. the blue Windows Phone lady. Yeah, that's what it's named. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's also, it's also <laughs> part of Halo. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's what it comes from. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Win- Windows Windows Ten lady. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, she's. A, Isn't yeah, that you, crazy? Yeah, you know it. Yeah, people yeah, know yeah, her more for that, that than the actual franchise. That she's- yeah, that's how I Microsoft knew like released their own competitor to Siri and Alexa, and they just used the existing character from a fucking video game. <laughs> It's so funny that they did that. Because <laughs> I guess they on the right. Yeah. It's a Microsoft. We're going to um, sell all of our Windows phones like this. Cortana. A character that shifted into being a villain um, by the time like they started putting it yeah. into like Windows. They love like just taking the villains and like building it into like core brand identity. It's hilarious. So <laughs> if you have a Windows phone and you have the voice commands turned on and you play a halo game with speakers on and they start talking about cortana is your phone just gonna go crazy 
Is it going to be one of those yeah. like you're punished for <laughs> for buying the phone and yeah. for playing Halo at the same time? I have an iPhone. I know it. I know it from like my computer. Like my PC has mm. Cortana, obviously. Um, oh wait, yeah. There's probably people listening with speakers on right now. Yeah. Okay, Google, play Death Grips. <laughs> hey Siri, play Death Grips. <laughs> yeah. Hey Cortana, play Death Grips. All right, we got them all. Hey Cortana, unsubscribe from Paramount Plus. <laughs> 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 man it just doesn't seem like a good show to me and that's why i didn't really watch it that's more my i you know i have nothing against halo because you know um i feel like a good comparison is game of thrones like i wasn't a game of thrones fan beforehand i didn't read those books but it seemed like not only did people who watched that like who read those books like enjoyed the show it was like a good show on its own they'd spent like a few years developing that pilot and getting the cast mm-hmm. right and like they clearly put a lot of thought into like these really important pieces, which I think really paid off. And like, I don't know. It's just like, um, I hear about like, they were working on the pilot of game of Thrones and someone was like, wait, are Cersei and Jamie supposed to be brother and sister? And they realized like, Oh, that wasn't communicated clearly. So they went back and like reshot things. And like, mm-hmm. they really worked on that pilot in that first season just to make sure it was like really great. Cause they knew like the potential there. And I don't know, did that, did it, did the Halo show feel that uh, way? Did no. it feel like they really put a lot of thought into everything? No, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, so it's like kind of the inverse. The, the showrunners were quoted as saying that they didn't want to take any inspiration from games so that they could just be more free with, like, I, what was it? There were like people that worked on it, like the writers that were like, yeah, we haven't played the games. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember reading that. Like we didn't want to read any of the books of Halo, and I was like, okay. But which which is a lie. Yeah, there's so much of like the lore in there, but it's just it's just wrong. Like it's just it's changed just <laughs> enough to be irritating to anyone yeah. who actually mm. like cares about it. It punishes the fans. Yeah, it's like, things that like a casual viewer who has never played Halo before would not get irritated by but if you if you love the no. games you get like insanely irritated by these i'm like why are they playing the the covenant door opening sound on a unsc ship i'm like <laughs> yeah. why you can't just take from the sound library and go like oh that looks sounds cool and like put it there they, they play the like uh the the uh cloaking power-up uh sound when it mm-hmm. turns off too and i was like that's not accurate <laughs> it's just little tiny things are like, yeah yeah they're mm. turning us into those guys yeah this is like how i feel about a lot of things like if you're a fan of something you do notice these little things that's yeah. why it's like important to have people who like understand and and like yeah because because fans latch on to that shit they'll they will know like oh that's the sound effect from that like it's a little detail but th- those things add up they do add up and yeah, yeah. i i i'm in favor of the idea of changing things from the source material, but I prefer for it to be motivated. If it seems random, then you're giving off the impression that you don't respect yeah. the original property and that you don't care about it. And obviously, I mean, the quotes from the, the people working on the show reflect that as well. And so if you're if you're making a property and you're saying, we don't give a shit about the original, we don't give a shit about the fans, we're just going to make our own thing and there's no good reason for any of the decisions we're making... I don't know who you're selling this to. <laughs> like, you're just just yeah. some boomers that are like, "Oh, my grandson played Halo before," and then they click on it and they go, "Oh, this is interesting science fiction." It just doesn't make sense because they do pepper in like specific fan service, like Cortana is voiced by Jen Taylor, yeah, which is who weird. voices her in the games, and the, but then Halsey's British, and then like, and it's yeah. like, and so. 
So Halsey, uh, I'll explain this really quickly, Ralph. So Halsey, and my voice is cracking. I've been yelling all day yesterday. Halsey is a (laughs) character that Cortana, the AI, was created from. So they had the same voice in the video games because it was like, oh, we just took my brain and then implanted it into an AI, basically. In the show, Halsey's a, a British person and they keep Cortana as the same voice. And when they start her up, and they're doing like this whole like, oh, I am an AI. She says the line, I forget, it, I'm paraphrasing, but she literally says like, uh, my my features and voice have been fine-tuned to be appealing to you. And it's like, well, uh, yeah, <laughs> are you yeah. saying British people have annoying voices? Like, what are you saying here? Like, like, that's, <laughs> that's, that's funny. So true. <laughs> literally, her startup is like, yeah, British people sound stupid. Like, that's basically what happened. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Very funny. Yeah, I, d- I just I don't understand it. It's baffling because it's, it's kind of the same approach that they've they've been doing with the games as well. Because like three four three were directly attached to this. They're like one of the production companies. Kiki Wolfkill, I think her name is, one of the lead producers. And there's all these like embarrassing quotes of her defending decisions, like uh, Chief fucking uh, the enemy um, in front of his mom or whatever, and all this. Mm. <laughs> yeah like his oh, mom's yeah. watching katana watching yeah, yeah that's so strange because she's uh. in his brain like with his like they didn't it would be funny if they wrote like a part where he's like cortana sleep mode or something like i don't know <laughs> but that yeah. didn't happen she's just like watching him have you know commit uh sexual misconduct <laughs> at the very least just yeah rape maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a couple of moments like that oh yeah he's a virgin too he lost his virginity in front of his mom that was like a part of the yeah thing. he'd never had <laughs> sex before that point this, this is crazy yeah hilariously <laughs> that's supposed to be like part of part of master chief's like law yeah is that like he is a virgin he he shouldn't fuck that's like a core part of him he's supposed to be this like introverted quiet pale guy who just lives in a suit and he's kind of like as this relationship with an ai yeah that was kind of the love interest of the first few games is like the the female interest you know archetype character whatever you we want to call it. it it was the ai chip that was helping him throughout you know battles and complete his missions and all that shit you know she was like sexualized to some degree she was like a naked blue character or whatever but Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, it, it was somewhat of a unique and interesting angle compared to other traditional uh, love interest characters that are injected into things. Like, I don't know, it, it was somewhat unique. It, it felt interesting, but but yeah, like now it kind of devalues that in a way. And I, I guess maybe they're just not going for that. Like, there maybe there will be no indication or no implication at all of any kind of you know hinting at love interest between master chief and cortana because now he's yeah yeah now he's just fucking someone's pet even though it's it's normally one of the like main plot points is like cortana is somewhere we need to get to her and save her (laughs) they stole my brain mass (laughs) 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 yeah in the games in the games it like He'll leave the chip somewhere and be like, oh, <laughs> gotta go back. <laughs> uh the flood got the chip. Yeah, he left it there. Sounds very weird. There's no time to explain, just go! Very odd show. <laughs> that was kind of funny. 
Yeah, I, I would I would fix that part if 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 it was being translated to a film. There's got to be a better reason why he just leaves Cortada there. But he um, they they like never show a halo ring either, which is like, lame. They don't go to one. They didn't. Yeah, like that was part of what was so cool yeah. about the games is they, you know, they they made the games seem from a visual standpoint way more impressive and way more expansive and immersive by just having you know you look up in the sky and it's just a painted part of the backdrop but instead of like clouds on one portion of the you know on one degree however many degrees of your uh vision you'd see the entire ring that like you you can you know keep panning up or whatever tilting your camera angle up and then looking over at the other side and you it's just it's it was like a very intelligent, creative decision for uh, environment and aesthetic, like v- just visual game design. It, it was yeah, yeah. It creates scope. Yeah, that's probably the entire reason why it was a ring planet is just to have that cool visual in the mm-hmm. game, basically. Yeah, it's a cool aesthetic. But yeah, then they don't give a shit. But the Halo rings also like they are the story. That is the story of Halos. It's the Halo rings. They're big, like, power weapons. They're big, like, nukes in space. Like, that is the story mm. of Halo. And the Halo show doesn't have them in it. They're trying to find Season them. two. <laughs> you gotta wait. But there's that's another thing, though, is that uh, an integral part of Halo that 343 just hate for some reason is the horror angle. The flood. Yeah. Why are they so averse to it? I guess maybe they'll build to it and then maybe want a bigger budget to like inject into the show. There were like worms or something in this one. What was that about? Those, yeah, those are supposed to be hunters. Like yeah, hunter I forgot about that. Yeah. Thank you. Someone explained that in chat. Yeah. I'm sure they have a plan. Like, like got to. They have like a plan of like season two and three. Like, oh, we'll do the flood and like season three is like the mm-hmm. dark node and like you know. Yeah. Maybe. I'm sure they've got the whole thing mapped out. I'm sure it'll There's be so much like good TV out there, you know. I'm gonna watch it. It was really funny. Oh yeah, yeah. I got loads of humor. It was perfect because like, <laughs> what season two of this? I tried watching it by myself, and I could. I like gave up at about like I don't know twenty minutes <laughs> into it, and I was like, this. I'm never gonna watch this. I'm. Ha- I was having a miserable time, and then I started my uh, YMS Watchalongs channel where I live stream myself going through certain shows, and that was one where I was like, okay, this is perfect because I can kind of like riff on it you know with a twitch chat and that was the environment where i was able to continue watching the show i would not have finished the show otherwise it's perfect for something like that yeah i I was Mm, yeah yeah that that was a much more enjoyable experience Um, you make me interested in in seeing where playing the games anyway not watching the show Oh, please play the first one play the first one co-op first up first three with somebody who else has never played it or something um yeah yeah the master chief collection uh has it i would say do old graphics yeah, those but i don't know it's your it's your choice oh yeah definitely on halo one um well i have like the original xbox i've been playing with recently and i do like playing games on like that console just because that's you like, have an original xbox yeah i've been playing like i've actually been playing Fucking blade play 2 of the game now <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll get oh it I'll, I'll order ebay or ebay it. i've been ebaying like a bunch of games i uh, think i have like 
six extra copies or something. But like, I, I do, I do like the console just because that is the way like the developer yeah. planned for you to play it and see the graphics, you know. And and when you're playing on like an emulator or whatever, it's like it's slightly different. It's cleaner. Do you have like a Do you have like a tube TV? Yeah, well, not a tube TV, but it's like you know a TV with a one of those yeah. shitty encompassing. <laughs> like now you have an HDMI oh, the Scott plug, <laughs> but it is part of like the aesthetic yeah. of those games. I feel, and that's why I do like playing on like a console. Um, even if you have to pay for you. a disc or whatever, I got a bunch of old consoles. Yeah, uh, it is. It is cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll, it will, I'm definitely more interested in the games than I am like ever watching the show because <laughs> it sounds like a mess. Like you guys are describing things, and I'm just like, I don't know what I'm supposed to get out of the show. <laughs> yeah, really. like, are there any like good characters? Like no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Master Chief and and Siri. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's tiny bits of conflict that are taken from the lore of Halo that I can see being compelling to people who haven't experienced the games before. Because he put that in a show, and it's like, oh, there are some compelling elements, like the fact that all the Spartans were, like, kidnapped as children and, like, repressed memories Mm -hmm. of mind wipe and, like... Oh, yeah, I do know that. All that that shit. Like, there's some Mm -hmm. stuff to work with there from a narrative standpoint that I can just imagine, like, oh, yeah, if this is someone's first time experiencing it, then that would be, like, pretty cool. Uh, And, yeah, like, there are, like, somewhat compelling elements to it, but... If you're a fan of the games, it's just so much worse. <laughs> like, it's uh, yeah, it's not well put together in any way, really. But then it's also it's trying to be like an action show yeah. too. I know I kind of talked a little All bit the about the action. All the ads are those CG. They scenes. do like they do the Doom thing. They do the Doom thing where it's like showing the the POV, like oh, oh yeah, alluding to the video game. Like <laughs> it's so corny, cool so dumb. His gun's so weird. Just imagine him like pu- putting his assault rifle up to like his eyes. Like just imagine <laughs> the wide shot. Yeah, the third yeah. Person. It's just ah, oh, it's so frustrating. And like it, it was episode five where they where they kind of unleash their uh, their their big first action scene. Where like this base is like suddenly attacked by a Covenant cruiser and there's like banshees flying around and I was I was like I was like scream laughing at that sequence because I was like man if, I, if this is how they like want to adapt the the kind of words that I'd read on the page or like imagine with yeah. like the stuff I'd read about the lore and like oh my god may- maybe some of this stuff should just be well should just be left alone left to the imagination because seeing Master Chief like jack a banshee and then crash it into a uh, phantom in the show is not like <laughs> it's not it doesn't look as cool or it, like it yeah. pays off and quite as how you'd like imagine especially when the music sucks yeah I, genuinely 50% of its identity is that music and without it At being least. there it's just I've seen a few like fan edits of like just a few scenes from the show just little tweaks putting in some of that official music and it does it does at least make it feel more apt more appropriate yeah. yeah, it's so generic. Yeah, the trailer has like some some remix of a song and the top comments like why don't you use the Halo soundtrack? <laughs> yeah, the top it's, comment it's of there, the official trailer on YouTube. Play the old music. <laughs> God damn. It's, the, it's not like they don't own it. <laughs> there's, there's barely any remakes or interpretations that do that. Like si- the Silent Hill movie is like one of very few where it's like, "Oh, we're just taking some of the songs from like Silent Hill 2 and 3 and like, oh shit, it works." You know, you have the the tone and the feel. It feels like the games to a certain degree. It's not a great movie, but it's made by somebody who actually gave a shit about the franchise. That's the big difference, mm-hmm. right? Why are we giving these properties to people who don't care about them? Give them something else. Make a not Halo. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give it to somebody who gives a shit. Because you're basically making not Halo anyway. You're making something more frustrating. Yeah. Who's it for? More annoying. 
Well, uh, so. Oh boy. Well, um, did you watch it on Paramount Plus? Uh, Paramount Plus only came out like a few weeks ago in the UK. So, um, mm. <laughs> yes. Uh... <laughs> you know what's really funny? So Paramount Plus has like a uh, couple different tiers for uh subscription level. Um, and so mm. the most expensive one is like you don't get ads, but on the basic one, which is what my boyfriend's roommate had at when I was visiting and I was like by myself for the uh, a few hours that day. So I just put it on. I was like, oh, they have Paramount Plus. And I didn't know it was like the ad one. They had oh, the, the amount of ads that they have is just so funny. Like literally oh, really? just like right at the beginning of uh, I wrote this down. It was so weird. Um, yeah, three. It'll go like three out of three. And just like one of them's like for Walmart. And then <laughs> the third one was a, a title card animation that said, just said Paramount Plus original. And then that exact same title card played again right after it as part of the show. So it was like this, <laughs> this the, the same animation twice in a row with one of them being an ad, apparently, which was like really weird. It just uh, seemed, it was so bizarre. Because the episodes aren't that long either. They're pretty no. short for the most part. 30, 40 minutes each. Yeah, I think I knew immediately in that first episode when they show the like the 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 intro that they play in each uh, each episode, and they don't play any Halo music. It's this weird, like, just toned down, super generic. It just sounds like a some like pre made thing on a, a license free website or something, like a, a generic sci fi sounds. <laughs> and that's yeah. like how they introduce and like the, the intros to like a show is supposed to set some kind of tone you know the sopranos breaking bad these mm-hmm. these intros are thrones. classic the game of thrones yeah another good yeah. one yeah there's a lot of great tv out there it's, it's just what i was saying and, and especially now there's like so much competition so yeah much. and yeah you really need to do something to stand out yeah and this doesn't stand out to me it's yeah. such a time commitment that and it's not worth it it's not worth watching 10 hours of something that's just like, eh, it's okay. Like, it doesn't even sound terrible. It's like, yeah, it's fine. It, yeah, it's, it's, a, they've stripped the personality from the original property and everything that makes it great. And they've produced a very generic sci fi show with, you know, some names of characters from Halo, basically. <laughs> yeah. Just a, a boring show. Which is using the Halo IP and imagery to try and sell it. That's the weird thing. Yeah. There's a lot of talking. Like, what? why would you... A lot of nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Not compelling. A lot of cringe. A lot of cringe. A lot of cringe. So, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I'll give it that. It's funny. Not in, t- not in an, an intentional yeah. way. Butt shots, courtesy of Roll Renee. <laughs> um, yeah, I give this a... Uh, Four out of ten. I know some people might think that that's pretty ger- generous, but um, I think in this, you know, in the grand scheme of things, if I were to imagine like not being like a Halo, like a lot of these things are just like, why aren't you following the lore? And it's just a lot of really annoying things. Mm-hmm. Um, but separated from the original property, it's just like a generic kind of funny uh, science fiction, sci- sci-fi programming style television show. It just seems like it just yeah another one from the pile sort of thing and it was funny enough to watch along with Mm -hmm. and riff on it so i I will be watching season two i i enjoyed riffing on it i i had fun with it so i will too i'll hate watch it yeah 
Yeah, I do admit I cannot. I cannot divorce it from the source material. I, can't, mm-hmm. I just mentally can't. I can't do it. Like the whole thing is just like built off <laughs> all the imagery, all the characters, all the names are the same. But then they'll just leave out things like, "Why is Johnson not in it?" Like if if you want fans to like it, why would you not? True. Do these kind of things? <laughs> why would I feel like if they just had like Johnson in there, had the mu the, the the actual music in there. And he just took his helmet off less. Or never. Way more people would be happy. <laughs> or nev- never, yeah. yeah. That's the correct answer. You can just have... Like, you made an entire fucking... Like, Ryan Gosling in the movie drives, just barely speaks, you know? You can have a stoic character. Yeah. You can still have that and write around them and have them do cool shit. There's a way of doing it. Yeah, but then they're like, but we want to make a generic sci-fi thing, and so it has to be a lot of conversation about nothing. <laughs> Padding. Yeah. Yeah, as far as a rating, I don't know, uh, one star. Uh-huh. <laughs> it really sucks. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. It's not good. Yeah, try harder. Okay. Try harder, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's to be expected at this point from 343 and yeah. the way they treat this franchise. So. Thanks. That makes me kind of worried for them. Um, the Lord of the Rings show. I don't think it's the same. That's Amazon. Oh, that's not going to be good. Yeah, it's like, I feel it's going to be like the same thing as this. Like, very bland. It has a bit more money going into it, but yeah. Mm-hmm. It'll probably have the same issues. Yeah. There's this growing streaming show problem where they need content. And so they're not going to rush through any story or like wrap things up in a satisfying way because they want more seasons mm. so it's just full of fluff all these shows full of fluff Stranger Things full of fluff Halo full of fluff <laughs> mm-hmm. they want it to go like seven eight seasons so yeah, this is, yeah. And, and they've already told the Lord of the Rings stories <laughs> like, yeah and and you you yeah. take seasons where it's like okay all of this could have been communicated in four episodes and you made it ten episodes yeah that's annoying mm-hmm just to keep people subscribed, yeah. It's part of the business model and it's ruining it. Yeah. So that they always have things that they need to keep watching. Yeah. I can't yeah. cancel my Netflix. I haven't seen all the Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah especially when it's 20 hours long. <laughs> all right. Um, we watched a movie. Uh, I recommended a movie. Spoiler discussion for a movie. Uh, it was 12 Monkeys. And uh, it's directed by Terry Gilliam, who... Also has directed such classics as uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail <laughs> and uh, Brazil, Brazil, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Very versatile director. Mm-hmm. And this particular film stars Bruce Willis. It's got Christopher Plummer in it. And uh, it's a sci-fi time travel movie where uh, he has to gather information on the origins of a virus that kills, what, like 90% of the population or something? Yes, like billions. Yeah, Yeah. so he's a prisoner and he goes back in time to try and figure shit out. Very enjoyable movie for me. What do you you think about it? Yep. (laughs) I agree. Yeah, Terry Gilliam got his start in comedy. That's like, he did really goofy comedy. And with like Monty Python or whatever in the show. And yeah, this is a... This is like a straight up thriller, very plot driven, like you said, science fiction. Um, and it's great. It's it's another he's he's a great director. Everything he makes is great. Not everything. Um well, not recently. I didn't like the Don Quixote movie. 
Yeah. Don Quixote, <laughs> as I said, because I was, whatever. But like, yeah, this is a great movie, I feel. There's a line towards the end where they're watching the, um, the, the, the like, Hitchcock marathon in the, in the cinema, having, like, a little conversation. And Bruce Willis has, like, a, a really good line about how it's kind of about the, like, subjectivity of movies and how every time you watch a movie, you've changed as a person. So it's almost like watching a new movie every time. Mm-hmm. And that's what my experience was kind of like, because I, I watched this like a, a long time ago. Yeah. And I remember enjoying it, but being a little bit confused by some parts and definitely not enjoying it as much as Brazil. But I really, really got a lot out of um, this rewatch of it. Um, really solid sci-fi of the production. Yeah. Love how kind of scrappy it is with the, like how limited it was. Mm-hmm. Cause it was a fairly small uh, budget. Um, like last episode, we we're talking about Bruce Willis taking pay cuts. I, mean, I don't think he was even paid for this movie up front. Oh wow! Mm. He had to. He only got movie after, like money after the fact. Sorry, once it was a, a commercial hit, and I kind of underestimated how kind of popular this movie is because uh, just going off like how many ratings it has on IMDb, it's got like six hundred k compared to like Brazil's two hundred k. Wow. Um. But I guess it's that Bruce Willis, like in the nineties, mm-hmm. just actually just on fire, picking picking the right project. <laughs> it's a very nineties movie. I do like that about the film, like particularly, I guess the flashbacks or the flash forwards, like whatever mm-hmm. you want to call them. Yeah, just, like, the editing and the music there. But I, I do like that about the movie. Um, like you said, the 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 production is great, like the visuals and lots of like variety, like the whole um. The first part of this movie in the mental hospital, that's such like a great sequence, a great sequence of scenes. Like that could be its own movie, basically. Yeah. But it isn't. (laughs) That's just like the first half hour or whatever. And then it keeps going and it does all these things that are like, you know, very visually fun. And yeah, it's, it's just the plot is good. It's very story driven and it's very different for him as a director, like. And and yeah, the time travel here makes sense. <laughs> I don't know if you wanted to say, Adam, but it's like one of those few time travel movies. It's actually like, when you think about it, it all ties together like kind of perfectly. You got to far-fetched a little, but you, it does. It feeds into itself, which is something, yeah. So if you're going to change the past, the past should be the the existing past and the changes that you make should have already happened. And I've, I've said that this is one of like two movies I can think of where the uh, time travel is entirely consistent on this newest rewatch. I realized that there was one part of the movie that it does not follow that rule. So I unfortunately have to take it off the list. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, Which, which, what, what part was it at the end of the movie? Um, when the other guy gives him a gun, he says, we got your message. So he left the message on the voicemail saying, it's not the, it's not the 12, uh, monkeys. Those are just some animal rights activists. And then the other guy comes back. He's like, oh, you're a hero. We found out it's not the 12 monkeys. It's like, okay, well then that would have happened beforehand because he already did that sort of like, it's the one thing that doesn't feed into it, like everything else that takes place in the movie. Everything else that he does is something that before he did it was already something that existed in the future because he did do it mm-hmm. in the past. Does that make sense? But this yeah. is just, this is the one example of something where it seems to have altered the, the future in real time, which is 
does creates like a different uh yeah yeah well there's just like little things like that that doesn't yeah. take away from the experience for me it's like a tenant like okay so so like what happens to what happens to bullets and like in what happens to like reverse bullets and tenant do they like disappear like <laughs> like but whatever they go back into the ammunition clip like it's just like one of those things you got to far fetch <laughs> <laughs> it, it, yeah. it really doesn't get bogged down in all like the kind of like mechanics of the story because they kind of build in the kind of unreliable narrator type thing that too. The, the main character like isn't necessarily sure like what is even real and what is mm-hmm. at a certain point it's like a big question throughout the movie that that's a that's a layer to this film that makes it so much more compelling than a time travel yeah. try to save the world from a virus movie is the intel the the, the 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 angle where it could all just be in his head you know and and yeah. it's teasing that throughout the movie i think it's pretty conclusive that it's not by the end of it i think it definitely leans into that yeah I it's agree. not as ambiguous as it could have ended but i like that there is that layer to the film where you could be like hey wait hold on maybe he was dreaming maybe he is just crazy maybe he belonged in that institution um it's just an extra thing to chew on, and it, it, it makes it so much better, much more compelling. Yeah. What did you think about the whole kind of steampunk aesthetic of the future? It's kind of reminded me of Brazil a little bit with the just the, the kind of funky look to everything. Mm-hmm. That's his style. I like Terry Gilliam's like uh, interpretations of, of uh, what's the word? Dystopian futures yeah i like yeah there there definitely were some brazil vibes to a lot of things going on i love the uh that like round display of all the television sets that the scientists use and they just get it right up in his face and i love how animated uh they say their lines they're all like taking turns right after each other completing each other's sentences like uh you've got what you've always wanted a full pardon like they're like they've all rehearsed it and it's so cartoonish. Yeah. But it's supposed to be. I, I love his like weird, absurdist takes on dystopian future and this like kind of corporate <laughs> like uh way that characters express themselves in, in the future, you know? It, it's it's great. Yeah, yeah. Which is like mimicked in the uh the mental hospital with the mm-hmm. when he's like being inspected by behind the desk by the the crew yeah. which also adds to like, the confusion of like is he just like making this up in his head mm-hmm. yeah right there's some great parallels he gets hosed down in both uh yep, yep. scenarios there was that reincorporation i believe it had the same shot just uh s- the slow dolly forward um mm-hmm. but yeah very nice purposeful reincorporation in this film mm-hmm. it's a great story like there's a lot you can do with time travel i feel it's interesting like the company um, basically starting the whole thing by sending Bruce Willis back. They're trying to stop the virus or whatever, but they inadvertently start the 12 monkeys and all this by accidentally sending Bruce Willis back. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just like a fun, it's just like a fun way to like tell a story and like play with the audience and their expectations of like what they expect to happen. And so, so the, the future is like, uh, there's a virus or whatever that like ends the world. Do they ever stop that technically or is that just gonna happen because no it it happens for sure so they weren't even trying to necessarily prevent it by sending him back in time they were trying to learn about the virus to like discover yeah a cure for it and use like the original blah 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 to make like a yeah yeah 
but just what you're expecting from a narrative like oh they're gonna use time travel to save the world but like they don't yeah like <laughs> like that's awesome like this yeah. is so, it's such like um morbid and like great way of like telling a story i think like the the world's gonna end so there's no way of stopping it it's, it's also a lot of potential problems too where like you know in, in any other scenario like I don't know, Mass Effect 3, like, the character, <laughs> like, decides to do some love interest stuff. It's like, shouldn't you be stopping the Reapers? Or it's like, in this one, not only is there, like, the crazy element, but it's like, he's not really, not until the end of the movie, at least, he's not really trying to prevent the the virus from happening. He's just trying to discover more about it and, you know, figure things out in his own head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if it's just like the optimist in me um, interpreting the very end with the the woman saying that she works in insurance um, and also being like one of the board members from, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the the future. If that was supposed to be like a, a little nod to, what, is that like a double meaning thing? Is she she's saying in the moment she works in insurance, or is she she's saying she was the insurance like after the fact of Bruce Willis's like plan failing. And that her being there with the the virus guy, maybe hmm. she got the information on, on the virus and took that back with her, seeing as she was from the board. Hmm, maybe that's uh, that's an interesting way to interpret it. Um, you could also interpret it as like, oh, she's trying to ensure the future of humanity uh, in the future. Yeah, because she wasn't like, did they de-age her with makeup or anything? Like, was that trying to imply that that was like a a previous version of her that would later grow up. I didn't notice any obvious de-aging, but I definitely noticed like, oh, that's the same. That's the same character. That's the- yeah. So yeah. the the question I would be wondering is like, did they send her back in time, or is that b- her before she was assigned? Yeah, that's the question. Is she a fraud? So I guess it's up to interpretation. Is, did, yeah. did she lie? Like, what is that? Yeah, that's kind of a yeah. I didn't think about that other mm-hmm. angle. That's interesting. Yeah, I, those those questions are better left vague. I think that makes the story. Yeah, so it is kind of vague. Uh, yeah, I like that. There's not a concrete answer. More interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Time travel narratives can fall apart if you start, like, giving out too much information. Yeah. And, like, it, yeah, it's just, like, all the right things. Like, it's just, it's a tight story, and it's, like, it's not focused on, like, just the time travel. It has all these other things going on, like, the visuals and, and like, the performances and, and the character's state. And, yeah. You know, like, the the relationship between Bruce Willis and, like, the, the woman mm-hmm. character, Madeline Stowe. Like, there's a lot going on. And Brad Pitt's performance, who's Ugh. really great in this movie. Like, I fucking love him in this movie. He's awesome. It might be my favorite yeah. of his performances, honestly. He got nominated for an Oscar. One of my favorites, yeah. So different for him. He's playing like a fucking kook with a lazy eye. Like, yeah. it's great. It's the, like the ticks. Tyler Durden before Tyler Durden. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like really good. So animated. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a great misdirect. Yeah. Like his whole character. Yeah, it really is. I love the. Um, Terry Gilliam always has really great uh, cinematography when it comes to like what lenses he's using and how close they're going to be to the subject. Mm. And what I love about his movies is that it's not just a random like, oh, okay, this shot's in here to fill your quota. It's it's done so in a purposeful way. Like there's there's a there's there's more frequent uses of wider lenses and close angles in the mental institution. The Dutch angles also there's a lot of those. Like yeah. the visuals are complementing the unstable environment and the unstable characters by 
having unstable shots and it's not you know yeah they could have done something like heightening the kookiness you know handheld (laughs) shaky cam or or something but you know terry gilliam's style it it reminded me a bit of uh yeah brazil and fear and loathing he he does those things quite a bit yeah yeah just like the design of like the time travel machine and the chair and the the monitors yeah you know all that with the eyes on them and whatever i like that it doesn't get too bogged down with like trying to over explain how the time travel works mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't really show him disappearing or appearing anywhere it kind of just you know we we're left to interpret yeah, him disappearing in one scene with the i guess they just threw a stone in the creek for that ripple effect very practical but effective um and then every time he comes back it's not you don't see him like oh i'm in a subway naked or something it's always like a day later, however many, you know, however much time later where we, he just, he's in a scenario. He's, you know, being taken to the mental hospital or trying to kidnap the psychiatrist or, um, yeah, we don't need that information for the story to work. Yeah. And it looks very like flimsy. It's, it's supposed to be kind of like a a new machine. That's why it fucks up and sends him back to the wrong time. Oh yeah. That's part, that's part of the story. And so like the visuals, the visuals complement it. Like it looks, it doesn't look very, you know, safe. No, <laughs> like, you know, that's that's it looks what's great unstable. about it. Yeah, yeah. And that's why again, he's a prisoner of his character. He's like a, a a convict. It's exactly why they're using prisoners. Yeah, because it's too dangerous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like you know, it's really well done. Um, every part of it and telling that mm-hmm. story. Yeah, yeah um, even when they're like tone setting at the beginning, where Bruce Willis is in that like wacky, like inflatable yeah. suit thing, going around collecting animals, and then mm-hmm. how the animals like come back towards the end with the whole twelve monkeys like mm-hmm. reveal. I was just so glad that it's like oh, real animals in a movie. Yeah, that too. <laughs> mm-hmm. The CG bullshits to be seen. <laughs> it's all like real. Yeah, all of it's real. No CGI at all. Like you know, I really like that. Yeah, all practical just stuff. Some green screens. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that a couple times. Yeah, a couple, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. It's a very, it's a very tight narrative. I think maybe it could have been like ten minutes shorter, shorter, maybe, but can't really complain too much. It's it's compelling enough that it, you know. Yeah, I, I didn't really feel it sagging anywhere. Yeah, yeah, I think it flows really well. There's there's other bits of reincorporation like. Uh, when he turns on the radio as he's kidnapping the psychiatrist and it's, it's like talking about the, the Florida Keys. And earlier when he tried to escape, the the man next to the door was like, oh, you should you should go to the Florida Keys. It's lovely this time of year. Just like tiny bits of, mm. you know, I think I think reincorporation works particularly well in films where a character is trying to determine reality <laughs> and is unsure of their own reality. Yeah. Because then it's like, okay, well, what is, is this like a, an interpretation of something else? Is you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That just that Brad Pitt character really kept me going through the whole movie. He's like, great. Every time they cut to him, he's he's really great. And yeah, Bruce Willis is great. And yeah, it's just like all these characters, like you really care about them. You care about what's happening, and the story just makes sense. Yeah, it's it all just like ties into itself very very well. 
It's very well thought out. There's all sorts of like memorable bit characters that are only in like one or two scenes. Mm-hmm. The, sure. The guy, the the hotel or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> calls yeah. Calls up inquiring about. <laughs> they got all sorts of like memorable characters that are just briefly introduced alongside mm-hmm. that core cast. Mm-hmm. His um, his relationship with the psychiatrist, um, in that kind of you know love interest angle that they're doing. As the film starts out, it feels really tropey. It feels mm-hmm. like kind of like, oh, you're just checking a box on the list sort of thing. But by the end of it, it feels like, okay, well, you know, this this is justified as its own existence. I love how her character transforms throughout the movie. I love how she mm-hmm. starts going crazy. And not just like, oh, I'm questioning and I believe him <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. Like that's been done before. But what <laughs> what makes it really fun to watch are those moments where she's like, take his money like after after he like knocks the guy out like we need cash <laughs> yeah she, she goes she's, crazy she's right. de- deteriorating it's funny <laughs> yeah yeah I, I love that yeah I, it's just I such too. a great way for the character to to go in the story mm-hmm. yeah because it feeds into um that that character is is she has like a presentation at a certain part um mm-hmm and I, I I researched like what what it was she was like talking about, and it's this um, Greek mythology Cassandra metaphor, which is just uh, it relates to a person whose valid warnings or concerns are disbelieved by others. So there's like an irony to yeah. <laughs> her preaching about That's this kind of and funny. kind of joining onto this cause. And yeah, yeah, right. And I love any time myth is injected in mm-hmm. to any story like this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's what Brad Pitt's character was kind of talking about earlier when he was like. People decide who the crazies are. Uh, you know, he, he he was telling the story about the person who discovered germs. Yeah, it's like there's these invisible things on us, man. They're making us sick. <laughs> Drop my burger on the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> who the real crazies? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very great movie. Visually, very well done. <clears throat> I love the wide angle lenses. Yeah, like you said, Terry Gilliam. That's like trademark of his. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, visually very strong movie. I love the soundtrack too. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with the composer, but I it's it's not only catchy and memorable. It's memorable. It, yeah, it's it very memorable. helps the film flow. It it adds to the emotional buildup without feeling like manipulative. It's not like a it's not like a strong tone in either direction. It's kind of ambiguous, but like catchy and fun, and not overly fun, not overly emotional, but like somewhere in between. Yeah, where it's like it, it's got a great rhythm to it, and the fact that they use accordion, like try to try to think of a single other movie theme <laughs> that is successful and uses accordion. Like, there's not a lot of incorporating that instrument into like a score of a film. It makes it feel really unique. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it sounds a little bit mad. Yeah, yeah. Compliments like a scene like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna look up the composer and see what else they've done. Actually. Have you guys seen anything about the like a uh, short this was supposedly loosely based on? La Jete? I haven't. Um, I haven't seen it yet. No, there's a show that they made after. Yeah. Uh, but it said inspired by. I don't think it's really. Uh, yeah, I, I found it on um, Vimeo and kind of scrolled through some of it. Yeah, it seems interesting. Uh, but it does. See, it does seem like Twelve Monkeys was largely, uh, largely original for the most part. Um. Like apparently Terry Gilliam didn't even watch it until he mm-hmm. <laughs> made the movie. So yeah. So yeah, this this composer, it's like a maybe like 10, 10, 20 film scores through the nineteen nineties. 
Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I guess <laughs> not really, uh, not really a whole lot of them, but for this film, it really worked. Like, damn. Yeah. Very memorable. I loved the theme and it didn't feel overplayed. It played just enough times where it was like, yeah, I'm glad this is returning. You know, I'm like getting back into the, mm-hmm. into the groove here. It, it didn't feel spammed. Um, and then the composition itself, it wasn't like overly simplistic to the point where it was just three notes, like the Batman, where it's just like, oh, you know, like, <laughs> stop playing it. It just, it was, yeah, complimented the film uh, very well, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to imagine, like, this, and then the previous movie we talked about, and then, like, Pulp Fiction are all, like, released within the same, like, year and a half, <laughs> basically, Yeah, for Bruce Willis. Yeah, he was on fire. Very different movies. Yeah. yeah. I'd say Pulp Fiction's in- intentionally, like, not a very 90s movie. <laughs> and then yeah. this is a very 90s movie to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. like all the the way it's told um and uh, yeah i do like that about it and that is crazy about the ratings it has an 8.0 on imdb it was six hundred eleven thousand. like i had no idea it, it was like that yeah like loved you know and it got some oscar noms too which it deserved brad pitt it's a classic it's a classic and it deserves to be a classic it's a cult classic cult classic is it cult i don't know how well it's in Kind of. I don't know how well it did. Let Let's me see, see the box up. Yeah, it's Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt led. Yeah, Oscars. Yeah, it's still like, well, 168 million. All right, it did fine. But compared to like movies today, I feel like that's, that's like humble. Hmm. No, like World War Z made half a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like for Brad Pitt, this is like a small movie. I um, wonder what the budget was. Apparently around $30 million. Wow. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. I mean, inflation or whatever, but that's probably yeah. like 50, 60 million today. Maybe yeah, exactly. a little more, but yeah, that, that's, that's good. And it's, it looks like, it looks really good. Like there's no CGI, it's it, barely any. And yeah, the sets are great. The caliber of story and performances and all of those sets and the practical uh, effects that they were doing, it's like, okay, yeah, you get some value out of that for sure. You mm-hmm. definitely see where the, where the yeah. money went. Yeah, paying the people like Christopher Plummer and, what is your favorite Bruce Willis performance? This is up there. Oh. Mm-hmm. I do really like him in this. Probably Die Hard. Die Hard's my favorite character that he plays, but I don't know if it's my favorite performance from him. I don't know. This is definitely up there. Because this, this is definitely up there. Yeah. I would, have to, I would have to be persuaded with another film to you know, compare it to, to. Yeah, it just stands out how different it is, especially from from him you know yeah like in pulp fiction he's kind of like a he's like a strong guy die hard he's the the strong macho guy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah he fits the role of like a convict or whatever mm-hmm. like he looks like a tough guy but then yeah they just kind of they fling him around they fling him around the whole movie like gets beaten down he's like drooling <laughs> you know it is it's funny and it humbles him yeah it humbles him a bit yeah you make you like relate to him I like I like how they portrayed this character in terms of like writing because we're told about his violent history and he seems to have a good enough head on his shoulders that he's, you know, he doesn't really act out violently for a while. But then when he's put in a situation where he has to defend himself uh, with those, what, what were they, gang members, uh, like underground? And he just kills them. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. he's just like yeah. just fucking wailing on them. That comes out in bursts. It's such yeah. a satisfying way to finally get 
that element to finally get like, oh yeah, so he is fucking violent, and it's not really like an action movie. No, but it's it. There's a it, you know it gets there in a satisfying way. It's like it kind of is. Yeah, it is kind of, but it's kind of a thriller. It's kind of a comedy. You know, like it, it isn't just one yeah. thing. It like balances all Got this, a lot this going shit for like it. really well. Science fiction, yeah, and you know he does like die at the end. There is like this, you know. He's the bad guy. He dies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like okay, he's, he like I guess gets some kind of like learns some kind of lesson or something. Like he doesn't get away with just being a bad guy, you know. <laughs> um, but he does like save the world or, or does some thumbs does something to save like you know. Does yeah. Something. No, I really like how they handle that whole um, yeah the whole like dream aspect where he keeps seeing the kid and you're unsure like well, where's where's this going and it's like different each time. He remembers the dream. There's like little details that are different, and then it mm-hmm. yeah, comes full circle in the airport. Yeah, he watches himself die. Yeah, yeah. that was great. Yeah, he should have shot the kid. What do you think about? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what do you think about the uh, the poster? Because I, I I've always been put off by the poster. I got to admit, uh-huh. I'm, I'm, it's not one of my faves. Because like, I'd always see it like when scrolling through IMDb mm-hmm. and be like, oh, yeah, I'll skip that one. What is this like Bruce Willis is like what a cyborg? He's got like a a red like dot coming out. Yeah, of his- <laughs> it does look kind of generic. <laughs> yeah, it's a generic mid nineties poster. Yeah, I think it's fun. Which I'm sure sold the film. Um, but the yeah, and the like joined faces and the way like Brad Pitt looks on it, you would never guess that his character is like a mental patient yeah he just looks yeah. like brad pitt on other posters mm-hmm. yeah yeah that is a that is a kind of a bad poster i've never thought about that he looks like a cyborg you're right what the fuck yeah i don't know that, that doesn't take away from me no it doesn't take anything away from the yeah, movie it's like but... it's just marketing material yeah it, it's hard with posters especially when like comparing it to brazil's poster i love brazil's poster so like elaborate and colorful i feel like a lot of posters are just bad yeah 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 but yeah, it's hard to make a good poster. It's hard to, like, capture that. Because a movie needs a poster, right? You need to have, like, some kind of image to, like, promote it. Even if it's just a still frame from the movie with text, like, you know, you need some kind of poster. It needs to, like, communicate something. Yeah, they could have they done a better job with the design. But if it ever got a Criterion, we would see a better cover probably. Yeah, Cyborg Willis. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, yeah. This should have a Criterion. Yeah, it'd be nice. They They've should. got other Gilliam films on Criterion, Brazil and yeah. Time Bandits and... Uh, Fear and Loathing. Fear and Loathing, yeah. Oh, it'd be sick to have a Criterion Monty Python thing. That'd be dope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know if they have the rights to certain ones. Yeah, I love Fear and Loathing too. I just, I like all of his movies. I, you know, so I like this. Mm-hmm. Pretty clear for me. Like, <laughs> this is something I'm going to like, you know. And I'm giving this one a 10 out of 10. Not flawless, not completely flawless, but fuck. I mean, like it's existed for long enough and it's a, it's a classic that deserves to have that, uh, that status. Yeah. It's a very enjoyable, well-crafted, compelling movie with plenty of elements to appreciate and love about it. A lot of very talented people. Uh, Alex? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm just a smidge under. Like, it's nearly there. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, this is a four and a half star, nine out of ten for me. It's just, yeah, I really, really enjoyed revisiting it, how like, unconventional and strange the narrative is, but how it all like, comes together at the end. I'm just going to reserve the 
Gilliam 10 out of 10 to be Brazil for me for now. We'll see the on rewatches because mm-hmm. yeah, I'll watch this again. It's it's very good. Mm-hmm. I have Brazil at a five. I have Fear and Loathing, Fear and Loathing at a five. Yeah, I don't have any issues with this film really. The corniness is inherently part of the '90s aesthetic mm-hmm. to me, and and mm-hmm. it, it helps the movie. It it tells the story it needs to like very clearly. Like I was never confused. Mm-hmm. Like I am with some other science fiction movies. Like it's very clear. Um. I would give it a 10 also. This is a classic for me. Uh, I gave it a 9 at first, and yeah, this is a 10. 10 out of 10. We're 5 out of 5. So, dank. All right. Bazinga. Thanks, Gilliam. Thanks, Gilliam. Bye. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Yeah, we didn't have anything really bad to say about it, which is... No. That's that's good for, like... I think that's good. Ambitious, and it works. Great story. Fun, entertaining... Really well made, great performances, yeah. like everything plot driven, you know, great story and great visuals to complement it. Like it's not just one. Yeah. Like it's, it's you know, everything's everything's working. It's a nice example of like underplayed sci fi as well. Yeah. You know, when you think sci fi, you think the two thousand and one, your big like Star Wars like space operas, but this is like a more quiet kind of Yeah. Intentional it's stranger. Not, it's not even like low budget indie, like it's not like primer, you know, it's like, it's still, no, no, yeah, it's like a nice in between. Yeah. It just is reserved and intelligent and respectful about what it's doing. Yeah, it's one of those in between budget movies. Like it's not a big budget. It's not a $2 million movie either. It's like, yeah. they don't really make movies like that anymore or they're very rare. I know. Yeah. And those are some of the best movies. Those like high concept, they have the money to do like these really impressive things. Yeah. It's really good story like i said like it's science fiction but it's also comedy it's also action thriller like it's just like so much going on in there like the mental asylum like element like the first half hour it's 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 really great it's a lot of fun yeah i'm glad we've done this like unofficial bruce willis kind of trilogy of episodes Mm -hmm. because kind of reminded me like what what is so good about him that range yeah. he has despite being that that big draw action star and like he, he made this film possible like like it, it couldn't have come together yeah, he and, sold it yeah yeah he needed to lead it him and Pitt more so more so him though yeah, yeah. alright question time awesome let's do some questions from the Sardonicast community then if you want to leave your own questions head over to the suggestion thread on the subreddit and ask us whatever you feel like just like pat pat x reader did i was gonna start us off here have you guys heard of this literally me movies concept some people online have decided that any movie with a main character they identify with generally loners disconnected from society you know like 90 percent of movie protagonists is in the same genre of literally me so drive and amelie share a genre also american psycho and shrek i guess any thoughts on this i don't think i've ever felt that way watching a character in a movie no, no. Wait, what? Can you say that again? Like, what? I don't think I've... Well, so people project themselves onto characters and be like, this is like me. This is literally me. Even though, you know, a lot a lot of the times it's like these... There's no... There's... I don't know how much I believe that when a person says that. I, I, I project myself onto Blade. I'm not like a black guy. It's just like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> you like certain qualities, but, but like these qualities are like... Like, any guy on a poster, like, any military man on mm-hmm. a poster, like, 
or whatever. Like when you see an action movie, like the you want like a a guy to like impose themselves on that character. Like, oh, I'm cool. I'm the one with the yeah, Master Chief behind a helmet. Yeah, Master Chief, right? Like that's perfect. But the, yeah, if they yeah. have a mask on, that's even better because like. You know, that's like in video, why in video games, like you can customize your guy to look your way because you can make him look like you or someone you want to be. Like, I feel like that's such a part of like films, not every film, but like certain kinds of films. If you're going for like a certain kind of vibe, like you yeah. want to be John Wick, you want to be like something like that. You don't want to be Steven Seagal. That's why those movies suck because it's like a fat old guy. Like you don't want to be him. I think, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people wind up watching films and there are some like subtle qualities to, uh characters you know like ryan gosling and his stoicism and drive and you know like i'm tough but i'm moral and righteous and i do what's right and sort of thing i think some people look at that and they're like this is how i ideally have my principles or and how i ideal like the Mm -hmm. ideal version of myself and so they go like that's literally me as in you know it might as well be your persona or something i don't know Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah i'm (laughs) skin sona i'm more interested in this idea of, of of people kind of misinterpreting like characters that are clearly like satire yeah that like too. american psycho is like a big one yeah christian bale mm-hmm. in that movie and people kind of like adopting the aesthetic and you see people like talking about it in a way where it's like what do, do you understand like what what the story was about or do you just kind of think <laughs> that it was it was genuinely like cool yeah <laughs> like yeah like it happened um semi-recently with um the latest season of the boys like mm-hmm. there's like this whole like thing on the subreddit with um oh yeah fans like suddenly realizing what the comment like the the really not subtle commentary was like pointing at and for some reason in in the third halfway through the third season is when some people in the fan base started realizing realizing hey this is making fun of a thing I might be a part of. Yeah. <laughs> and then they like, started pushing back on it. Wait a minute. Which is just like, oh, oh it's a, a nice okay. reminder of like, oh, I guess, yeah, there's a, there's a huge amount, a huge portion of uh, people that enjoy movies, a huge part of the audience that genuinely have zero media literacy at all. And they just take everything <laughs> literally at face value. At face value. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, not that you can't like want to dress up like characters like that or like them. Like, People dress up like Darth Vader or bad guys, right? Like, I don't think it's because they're murderers or whatever. It's because yeah, they think yeah. Darth Vader's cool or, I don't know, they think it's, like, kind of cool to be, like, a bad guy, which which is fine. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. But if there was someone who was, like, obsessed with dressing up as Homelander or something, I'd, I'd be a bit more mm. suspicious, maybe, than, um, <laughs> like, a Darth Vader fan. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The commentary just seems so much more, like, blatant. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely certain characters where i'd be like yeah huh you know like rorschach is like a popular dress up yeah yeah but you know that, that's not a he's like an anti-hero like you know well every character is literally me because we are the universe experiencing itself so <laughs> yeah right Hey, don't, that that is that is a valid philosophical thought. Okay, I didn't just make that shit up. Okay, that is that is a perfectly you can, don't dismiss that. That is yeah, that's, that's a perspective thing. <laughs> Even if I said it in stoner voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next question. Big C Baller has one for us. Adam once talked about how some child stars get used used in films often 
when they aren't great actors, and eventually when they grow up, they don't get roles and sometimes will have a very hard adult life. So my question is, what's something that the movie industry can do to prevent exploitation of child stars so their lives aren't ruined when they get older? Hire them for their acting abilities. <laughs> Like, yeah. maybe do a bit more of a casting process than they're like, ah, they're cute and they're also a nephew of somebody I know. <laughs> like, because then you're just, you're kind of being an abusive asshole because you're setting themselves up, that you're, you're setting them up for failure. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're setting them up for, that's true. Yeah. You're supposed to be like the kind of, I don't know, the word gatekeeper of like, well, I'm going to say this kid's a bad actor, but at least I get to say it and not like a million sure. other people. Like, jake lloyd or whatever like with star wars like you know like for a movie like that they should have gotten yeah. yeah like that that altered the the trajectory of his life like almost single-handedly ruined his life being in that movie well, yeah it's the biggest it's like obviously going to be a fucking huge movie it's star wars like they should have thought about that not not jake lloyd himself yeah yeah it, it ruins the lives of like adult actors let alone when like kids that young are involved you know, he was like, what, like eight? <laughs> yeah, the guy who played Jar Jar, too, got all kinds of, like, you know, hate and racism and whatever. Like, he's just an actor. Like, what the fuck? I mean, to some extent, too, like, people are assholes. Like, they shouldn't be saying things like that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You don't need to, like, harass the kid or the actor. But it's, yeah, it's hard enough for an adult to try and, like, deal with that kind of overwhelming feedback. But yeah. when it is a child, it is like, man... Georgie really didn't think about this one. It's kind of like, kind of like his abuse. <laughs> it's like really fucked up. It really is. Yeah, or like a lot of those yeah. Disney stars. Like Disney, they they make them into actors and musicians and whatever. Like, I don't know if they're capable of doing all these things. Maybe they are, but like, you know, sometimes they're not. <laughs> like they, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it's a weird cultural thing where, you know, sometimes we turn children into like, celebrities and it that's kind of just weird and creepy to me mm -hmm. you know yeah like if 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 you want to have child characters in a movie i guess like we got to have child actors but to like do the whole you know celebrity culture thing on them is like really kind of you're creating a fucked up human being <laughs> yeah is what you're doing if they're not already fucked up you're making them fucked up how are you supposed to be grounded if you're like millie bobby brown right yeah Mm -hmm. it's, <laughs> right the feedback you get and just the onslaught of like just bullshit and hatred yeah can these people even like go to a restaurant or do anything like you know like how i do <laughs> can they go to like mcdonald's without being like oh my god you're really bobby brown <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, you know i just think about that probably mm -hmm. not they probably just can't even like function depending on where i guess depending on where yeah. well like brooklyn's kind of a cool place like yeah. You know, you hear stories like Zoe Kravitz walking around or whatever, like, no one bothers her because it's, like, a cool area. Or, like, the guy from Succession, um, mm -hmm. Cully Culkin's brother, I forgot his name. Kinnear. Uh, but, yeah, like, it's, 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 and they're adults, too, right? But there's, there's definitely, like, cool environments, like, where people aren't like that. But, you know, there's just a lot of people who are just like, oh, my God, you're, you're Lily Bobby Brown or whatever. And, you know, like, if I get that, I don't get it as often, so it's much less, like stressful to deal with but i'm sure like kieran culkin that was his name sorry yeah yeah i'm sure if you're like a like a super famous like miley cyrus or someone like that like i'm sure you can't go anywhere no no you can't do anything that like normal people do like go to a store or like 
go to like there's like yeah. go to get, like fast food or like you know just normal shit like go to Seven Eleven like get shit like pick up a case of beer like <laughs> you can't you can't do anything <laughs> yeah celebrity culture is just like so obnoxious honestly yeah it is obnoxious yeah like there's a big difference between like respecting someone for their work and just you know trying to hero worship to yeah. convince yourself that you you uh have done something in the universe and that you're not insignificant because you saw someone that's famous right at the at toronto mm-hmm. film festival there's like people go for different reasons um i'm there for the movies but there's like there's so many people that that are there to just be like i got you know like to to smooth with like the big <laughs> actors or there's people that there's the red carpet thing outside of some of the theaters like one of the big theaters where they have mm-hmm. like the f- fancy premium premieres or whatever and they have the red carpet set up and there's people just like with lawn chairs behind the the barricade ready to take pictures like not professionals but like just people who are just gawking at celebrities they don't even know who's coming out of the limo but they're ready they're like, I I want to get a signature by any famous person. And it's like, do you respect their craft? Like, do you like them? <laughs> like, you, it's just it's just they're famous. Like, it's just kind of annoying. Oh, it's very annoying. Yeah. Like, I've, I've, like, I've never understood that. It's, uh, yeah, the, the, this weird, like, soft deification of, of human beings mm-hmm. <laughs> that we've done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's toxic. Yeah. It's bad. <laughs> Not much good comes from it. Yeah. yeah. And then we just, yeah. And then inevitably we see the same thing, like being applied to children. It's like, okay, stop that. You know, just stop. Because like, whenever there's a kid in a movie, it's already like an uphill battle to like prove and earn like the the place in the story and like justify the performance and everything. Like, just trying to avoid it for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Depends on how you use kids in movies and what kind of story you want to tell but yeah just sometimes seems inevitable to i feel there are like celebrities i don't mind celebrity but i feel like there's certain people who are celebrities and they want to be celebrities and that's like their whole mo and that's why they're oh, yeah. like tom cruise tom cruise is a celebrity like mm-hmm. i don't feel bad giving him attention he he clearly must want it or <laughs> like the financial gains from it or like the rock or someone like that. <laughs> the rock <laughs> Yeah. So people like that. Uh, but know. then there's people like Beyonce that like never do any interviews <laughs> and are always like so reclusive, but that adds to the mystique and that adds to the allure. And then people treat her like a real god and people get even more obsessed with it because she's out of the spotlight that anytime someone sees her, mm. they're like, ah! It's like, holy shit. Yeah. You can't really win in that position. No. From that perspective anyway. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, just cancel yourself. <laughs> post a funny it's tweet hard to ba- it's a hard thing to balance yeah <laughs> it's a hard thing to balance that's part of like a musician's appeals like mystique or like your character um but yeah it's not an excuse to like be like a unrealistic like human being or like <laughs> be like so out of touch with like other people yeah well she's just like hides for like a year or whatever yeah that's what she does i don't even know like i, I don't know what beyonce does <laughs> she's not on my radar <laughs> like yeah, it's just like a certain audience they like that. I don't know. I'm not inherently against like celebrity. Um, I am mostly with like child stars because it's just like it's unhealthy. It's unhealthy for them. I'm not. I'm not against like people being in magazines or on television or more people seeing or com- consuming a product because someone's associated with it. I'm not against that, but people need to like. Yeah, it's like 
Yeah. Lower, just like calm things down a bit and remember that these are just other human beings. Like they're people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're people. It's just like marketing. Yeah. They're not gods. Like, oh, this is the new star. Yeah. I don't like think about Tom Cruise like all the time. <laughs> like if I see him on a poster, I'm like, oh, it's a new Tom Cruise movie. Yeah. I'm going to see it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that looks good. I'm not like obsessed with Tom Cruise. I have like a cork board of his photos and like calling him every day or whatever. Yeah. But I, I don't feel most people are that way. I feel like if you're that way, you have some kind of problem you need to work out yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah it's not always just like the celebrity no, it's, it's, in their fault it's something about like film and tv it's just always boiled down into this emphasis on the actors specifically yeah it's always about the actors like you sell movies yeah. on actors they're the ones you see and it's like yeah it's almost like this godlike position like oh i want to be yeah. the guy on tv but you know like if people stopped treating celebrities like they were such fucking gods like maybe you actually have a chance of being on TV <laughs> yeah. because you just you know you're a more realistic person you'd be like oh I could, you could actually get hired in a, in a part mm-hmm. and you're not just like inflating this other guy and like having him take parts away from you and y- y- yeah it's just like silly to like idolize people like mm-hmm. that to like an unrealistic unhealthy degree to to some degree, sure. To like a little bit, like there's nothing wrong with looking up to, to people. Yeah, to respect and admire yeah. someone whose art you love. Yeah, for inspiration yeah. for their craft. Whether that art is acting or writing or whatever, there's nothing wrong with praising for things that you connect with and things that you appreciate. But like, mm-hmm. fuck, are you like when the when people <laughs> when people like steal their like little bits of clothing off of people at like in concerts or whatever they like <laughs> they're like oh i got it like yeah like cut off a bit of hair or actual, something yeah, yeah like just the crazy crazy people that's like <laughs> shit like elvis did yeah that's like shit from like the 60s yeah it's like so dated yeah, yeah. just stop screaming women ripping off clothes and taking his scarves and yeah <laughs> i'm excited for that new elvis movie i feel like that's part of what that movie's about isn't that out already it is. I, I got to see it soon. I've just been so busy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah. I won't be. I feel like that's like part of that movie is like, you know, Elvis is yeah. like, he is, you know, he's Elvis. He's like such a character. The king. Yeah. Yeah. People did that with Michael Jackson to a huge degree, too. People just like screaming. People were screaming when he came and like trying to take like stuff off his body like his clothes and like <laughs> fucking wild like i you know i can't imagine being that person yeah and what it must take to like you know society wise and like culture and like the kind of like marketing to like create that like i don't even think that's possible anymore and yeah it's just like this guy like fucking gyrating his hips <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> so odd yeah all right last question Okay, let's end on this one from Pink Eye 5. Um, back in the fall, Adam mentioned he was watching The Sopranos for the first time. Curious if you finished it and what he thought of it. If you didn't finish it, how come? Um, and shout out to Tony... Uh, uh, was it Sirico? He passed away the other day. Yeah, oh, yeah. Nice in peace. So, such yeah. a good actor in that show. Yeah, he's fantastic. Mm, very funny. How far did you get? Um... I got to probably season two, episode five or something, and uh, I just, I'll, I might continue it at some point. I'm just like, it's not something that I feel like super compelled to watch a lot. I don't know. Like, it's it's good. Okay. It's good. And I've seen 
uh, parts of like near the end of the show that I'm like, wow, this is super interesting. Like, I'm really interested in this. But like in the first couple seasons, as it's like building up to that level of quality, I just like I wasn't really. It, it felt like kind of a obligation at points. I'll get back to it. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I just kind of build as it goes yeah. along. Yeah, I, I was kind of more in by the towards the end of season one personally, and then I was kind of hooked. Mm-hmm. Season one's great. Yeah, I feel like it's probably like. The strongest season, like self-contained, it has like a good beginning, middle, end. Yeah, um, a lot of the seasons fall in like the same kind of like uh, structure where there's a villain that Tommy mm-hmm. has to like defeat by the end, and usually there's like a subversion. Like it doesn't always play out the same way. Yeah, um, which is you know it's it's a very well written show. Like you know if you don't like it or whatever, then that's fine. Maybe you shouldn't watch it. Like that's like the best show ever made, basically. Like in my opinion. <laughs> Like even better than Breaking Bad, probably. It's yeah, the writing's immense. Yeah. The and it's not really plot driven like Breaking Bad either. Like it's not it's not like so rigidly like yeah. this episode is purposeful because this happens and it's leading to this. Like every episode's like its own thing, and every it's more like character focused and mm-hmm. like don't expect it to go anywhere. But um, well, there's a you know there's certain things that carry through, but some things go somewhere. But they're they're more like self contained in seasons. Aside yeah. from like certain things, some things are like yeah, grand arcs over the show, like his therapy and yeah, certain characters. Yeah, like the stuff with his wife. Yeah, I like that angle a lot. I think that that's yeah, the compelling. therapy angle is great. Um, I started watching it because of that uh, many Saints of Newark movie or whatever was coming out. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. then I didn't finish Sopranos in time, and then everybody just seemed to have really lukewarm opinions on it and so i just kind of gave up <laughs> yeah. i was like oh <laughs> i'm not yeah. watching this movie anyway so i just <laughs> yeah yeah it's a big it, you know it's a lot of hours and i'm trying to watch a lot of things so um but yeah i like the show i'll get back to it at some point i'm sure just gotta make a commitment uh-huh yeah it does get really good like later on when mm-hmm. tony's like really dealing with like the the big mob guys like the head of New Jersey and mm-hmm. those guys like those scenes are really great yeah um, and just how like the it's like the end days of the mob kind of like just dismantling and like just technology just fucking them over and mm-hmm. right and clearly like um you know like Red Dead and stuff is like really inspired by that kind of that kind of concept mm-hmm. the end of an era of some kind of like crime angle oh okay. I need to get that Sopranos game now. Oh yeah, PS2. That's probably on Xbox, right? Oh yeah, it's a, yeah, it's probably on Xbox. I, I definitely get wasn't it supposed to be okay, or was it? No, I can't I don't remember know. if it was notoriously weirdly good or bad. Gandolfini is in it, which makes me, um, you know, that one makes me want to play it. I'll play it. Oh yeah. Um, Road to Respect. Oh, it's on the 360, I think. What? Okay. Definitely gonna cool. Nice. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's only on PS2. The wiki Wikipedia usually has just the list of which platforms it's available hmm let's see only playstation 2 it says well i can emulate it and i have a ps2 also yeah yeah uh cool cool all right uh, sopranos is great <laughs> yeah i will right, i thanks. will continue it at some point oh, yeah. i was enjoying it i just like yeah other things got in the way um all right thank you very much that does it for questions uh ralph it's time my turn, yeah. Right <laughs> uh, all right, got? I'm going to recommend a film from 1995 called Heat, directed by Michael Mann. Shit, yeah. 
fuck. Oh, cool. There's a 4K for that, too. Do I have it yet? How how quickly can I order it? Oh, I'll get that. Fuck yeah. Let's see. Will it show up in time? Oh, shit. Is it not out? Fuck. It comes out in August. Uh, fuck. Uh, God damn it. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> you want me to recommend something else? I mean, yeah, it's whatever. You can, you can, you'll like it. You'll watch it again one okay, day in yeah. 4K. Yeah, yeah. I'll buy the regular Blu-ray first. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, good, right? Re- okay, yeah. I, this was on my list of things to watch, though. So. Yeah, on mine, too. Awesome. Yeah. Or you can download it and get the 4K Blu-ray later. <laughs> oh, just a question... It says that there's a uh, definitive director's cut edition, director's definitive edition. Oh, I've never seen that. Oh, okay. That I'm looking at that I, I can order to my place. Let's see if there's a difference in runtime. Uh, oh, I see here. Mm. Alternate versions. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Comparison theatrical. I would I would say watch the original one just because it's very long. I just yeah. Well, I just want to know what the difference is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll check out the director's one. I'll check it out because I've seen Heat. But I'd recommend the the original just because it's, it's such a long movie. Like, I don't think you need to spend any more time on it than that. But, if you're, you know, do what you want. I'll watch. I'll definitely watch the director's one now that I know. It's seven minutes difference. Oh, really? Oh, so that's nothing. <laughs> okay. okay. Not too much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll still watch it anyway. Um, because I don't own it, so yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, whichever one is gonna get shipped to me in time, I'll buy. All right. Okay. Perfect. If you don't want to be spoiled by or sorry, uh, for Heat, nineteen ninety five, I think directed by Michael Mann. Uh. Yeah, Michael Mann. Mm-hmm. And watch it before the next episode. These episodes come out every two weeks. Uh, but you can listen to them early as they're edited. Uh. Go to sardonicast.com, sign up for premium. It's only $2 a month, or patreon.com slash sardonicast. Also, we got merch. Also, uh, fan art, draw it and post it on Twitter using the uh, hashtag sardonicast fan art, or post it on our subreddit, and you'll see them appear at the beginning of the uh, YouTube videos. Um, We are recording this episode and the next one fairly early, so if you hear us, if there's some crazy thing that happens that you want us to talk about and we didn't, uh, then... Just wait for episode one nineteen, I guess, because that's when uh, mm-hmm. that's when we'll be back in the normal groove of things for a short bit. Um, all right, thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you so much. Uh, bye bye. Bye. Shrek. <laughs>